episode 245 trade deadline how do the mlb trade deadline moves affect you rest of season and more importantly beyond in your dynasty keeper and contract leagues it's time for dingers this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors we're always watching waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Jake Berger that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined, as always, by Robbie Baseball from the Murder Room. How are you doing, Robbie? Day and night. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We cover baseball. Does it feel we were just right? Right? Reliving our younger days in the Kid Caddy soundtracks earlier before we jumped on here. So, uh, like if that was yours, mine was. I go back a little further into the like not gangster gangster rap of uh, Trick Daddy. Um, <laughs> Trick. So I had a ninety. You were talking about Volkswagen. I had a ninety-two Volkswagen Golf diesel when I worked at a resort in Michigan, Treetops, and uh, I put uh, six by nines in the back that were you know. I'm sure just like moments away from shattering that back windshield or back window. Um, and then I had a 12 inch subwoofer, uh, Sony explode, you know, like the cheap version, whatever you couldn't, couldn't afford her. Couldn't, I couldn't afford at the time the, uh, high end audio stuff, but anyway, I had it and then rock that little car, but it would be trick daddy, you know, nothing says golf course employee. Like, a big boomers rolling through the parking lot while everyone's trying to play golf, right? Oh no, I, I'm first one there. I'd be like between five and five thirty in the morning. That's why I could yeah. blare it, and then it's when I'm Before trying to leave, leave at the end of the day. That's what I was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting. But, yeah, it's definitely the leaving for sure. Um, well, it's like Christmas today, though, right? And I mean, it's, it's trade deadline day. There's a lot going on. Maybe less for some teams. Maybe more for some teams. If you're a Mets fan, you're just crying in a corner somewhere. Uh, wishing for nice things. Um, he did get a few nice things, and we'll talk about who they are. But generally speaking, I mean, what a bust of a year it's been. And at least they officially mailed it in. I, like, right? it's going to be funny. These guys. Yeah, and we'll get into it more. But, like, the one thing I just want to say right off the top is, like, they're going to try to sell this like this was the plan, or at least the backup plan. And there's no way that this was the plan. This is like, oh, God, no. that, that didn't work. Now we're, let's just try and spin this as positively as we can. Because, like, for me, the Francisco Lindor contract is going to be a monster. Like, that thing is just yes. going to suck more and more by the day. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers Mr. Reyes a la Toronto Blue Jays back <laughs> into that contract. But, but there's a very similar pathway that, that might be ahead of Mets fans here. Yeah, it's uh, when, when we get to it, because I as we go through, we're going to break down the moves that we think are fantasy relevant of course we're focusing on dynasty contract keeper league um you know there's a hundred places out there doing their redraft podcast telling you about the eight guys that are going to make an impact and they're going to guess on the 20 guys that were in other random trades they'd never heard of before ty it's incredible to me that if you listen to redraft fantasy baseball podcasts there are guys who have no clue about prospects that have been legitimate for years and years guys who are drafted in second and third rounds 
um, three, four, five years ago who are slowly making their way up because they never focus on it. There's just top 150 players and heavy repetition and this and that. And it's like, you know, Jake Berger, someone they never heard of before last year when he got called up and he said, ah, don't worry about this guy. And and then this year, it's kind of like, oh, look at this, Jake Berger, impact bat. And, you know, we'll get into that trade. But since you mentioned him off the top, it's just, it's been eating at my craw um, listening to a couple of redraft podcasts because I try to give new ones a shot when I see them pop up. A lot of them are, are just the same, you know, 25 guys inside the uh, fantasy baseball mafia who are now just churning different podcasts out, right? It's, um, you know, they get a couple guys get together and now from other podcasts, they're now podcasting together with their own podcasts. And it's just, you know, they're, they're watering the same fields over and over again. So, um, you know, enough trashing on, on those guys, um, more time for us to drink, right? A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Well, that was quiet. Yeah, I kind of muffled it a little Big, big, huge hands around the cork. Didn't do it right. You'll hear this one. That's that right, sound, was that a mini can? <laughs> no, it's an extra big can. Oh, I even got the vice. Got, oh, you got the silencer on though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep them a little cooler if I can, yeah. because of course tonight, because we're we're going with the trade deadline, happy, exciting topics. I thought I'd go with the crown float. Well, one thing, one thing I want to start with Robbie, just because I think it's a fun way to start this episode, um, because there's so much that happened today news wise. Like, I just want you to say, like, what was your favorite thing that happened to this trade deadline? And you can go back within reason a week or two that you would consider like trade deadline stuff. What's your favorite thing that happened at this deadline? Um, the Angels and Cubs combined, both saying, you know, F it, we're not selling, we're adding. Yeah. Just generic ads from teams that were on the fence and um, all the Otani news. I mean, I said you know on, on the Twitter about a week or so ago that I would understand the Angels trading him. And I would understand the Angels trading him to a team like Baltimore um, who want to acquire someone very much like Toronto did when they finally were ready to, you know, break the playoff drought in 2015. And they went and acquired David Price, right? They gave up four legitimate potential future pieces of, of that, you know, Two of them kind of had brief periods of success, but um, that's what happens when you buy and sell prospects. But they did get in the playoffs, and David Price was elite, and then he immediately left. Toronto went to Boston, which is very much what I thought was going to play out if the Orioles had for some reason acquired uh, Otani is that he would then leave and go to possibly Boston and or New York this offseason. But instead, the Angels said, uh, we got to give this a shot, and they are, and we're going to talk about all the deals they've made over the past week, which is, um, to me, as important to... That's one of the things that always has bugged me way back when I used to be a Jays fan, uh, before I went with Depoto and the smarter way to, to do baseball, was why is Toronto not repeating the footprint from 15? Why are they not getting multiple bullpen pieces when they should be? And we can talk about who they did add in, you know, when we get to it. But again, this year, they repeated that same pattern to me. The one thing they did do that um, scares me was 
the Dijon ad, and we can get to that one because that just tells me that we got big problems with Bobo. <laughs> Bobo's got a boo boo, and yeah, and then and there'll be lots we'll cover today that people will question because they they always disagree with us, and then we always end up being somewhat borderline accurate um, on the future. So if you have anything that you have a quarrel with, remember you can get us at Thingers Pod or at Robbie Baseball One or at Tourney Boss. Uh, if you want to air your grievances, but um, we'll get into, into that conversation, Robbie, because uh, like normal, we're going to disagree on that one. Uh, but let's just go through some of the bullets. Uh, hot news. Let's get moving. Uh, Andrew Painter. No, no Tommy John or is Tommy John? Um, no shock. Tommy John. It's no shock did, to Tommy John. Look at that poor did, tie. I just would like to point this out. Anyone go to the YouTube channel. You did can that get it. announced today? Andrew no, Painter? that was announced a few days ago. Painter, I I totally Tommy John. That's why I have it leading off. Um, you know, like I, I put the note here, Ty will tell you to buy low, but I ask you to remember the Max Mayer top prospect to forgotten prospect path and wait until at least the winter before you go looking to acquire at your trade deadlines. Let other starting pitchers, you know, Skeens and company, um, let them all emerge. Let guys who are drafted go get 12 innings, you know, in a ball or whatever. And then Meyer uh, syndrome will hit Painter. And he's going to dip a little bit. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of prospect guys who are going to be like, well, Daniel Espino, we got really high on. And um, he's done nothing but get hurt. Is that going to be kind of what's happened with Painter? You can look at um, Sixo Sanchez as another example of that with injury stuff. So I could see the fade on the prospect. And I know, Ty, you, you'll talk positively about Painter. I'm just saying don't go out right now because the news is bad. You'd be like, at my trade deadline... I'm going to go and get me some painter. I'm just saying wait, but definitely, you know, get ready to circle the wagons to go get them. There's nothing about a, a high-end prospect that had command that I that scares me about Tommy John anymore. I, I just think we're past that window of time where Tommy John was a potential, like, career changer, right? Like, the, like you look at the number of kids that are getting it before they're even drafted these days. Uh, I just don't see it as much of a problem as it once was. So, I mean, I, I'm definitely buying Painter anywhere and everywhere I can. Uh, it sucks if he was part of your rebuild strategy because you got to wait another year. Uh, we we all expected we would see him this time this year um, based on his trajectory, what he was on. So that's a disappointing part. But, I mean, th- these things happen. And this is why when you talk about building your teams, like you really got to know pitching to build your team around pitching, right? And you know, Robbie, that I do this all the time with pitching. Like I build my team's pitching heavy. I always have, always will. But that's because that's what I know. I know it inside and out. And I'm. it's easy for me to replace and pick up breakout guys. Uh, so that's – I'm not worried about this. But, Tom, like, anybody that wants to go get Andrew Painter, like, this is, a, this is a good time to do it. Like, you've still got a lot of leagues that have trade deadlines in the next couple of weeks. I, I love this if you're out of it. Uh, in, a, in a big league on a rebuild team, I'm not going to get him if I'm ready to win next year. That's where I'm not doing it. Um, but I, I'm I just think the price is going to be too high right now. That's all. That's that's my <laughs> caution is don't don't avoid him, but certainly don't go out directing your trade aim at him right now because it's too fresh in the mind of the guy who's got him. Because like you said, Ty, they were drooling thinking like he's coming. He, you know, he's going to be up this year. And then with Yuri Perez coming up, it was like, oh, man, why wouldn't they? Right. Everyone's going to take the reins. And then Philly's rotation certainly could have used him. Um, healthy, it would have saved from a trade we'll talk about shortly needing to be made. 
but that that's it for me on the only, on that the only thing I, the only thing I'll say though, Robbie, is that if you got a team that's in the in contention in your league and you're in a bigger format, like mm-hmm. I think that's the right time to go after Painter because it might be the only time that person's willing to sell because if they go a year from now and they're ready to rebuild because their championship window went through, right? Like you don't want to miss the chance to buy. So you really have, it's league dependent. It's team dependent, like make the read, but definitely don't be afraid to buy. But like Robbie's saying, if, if the guy's not in contention, like he's, he's not likely to sell. Right. So that's just the reality. So moving on this one probably hurts you a little bit, Robbie, to see the fall from grace here. uh, Sir, Sir Jared Walsh. Once a, a staple of, of a couple of your teams. Um, I'll, yep. I'll hand that one to you. Just a, a dynasty uh, diamond, Jared Walsh, DFA'd. He, you know, has had injuries. And from the injuries, he's clearly lost the ability to play MLB baseball. He's since cleared waivers and accepted an outright assignment now off the 40 man for the Angels, which means best case scenario for him would be devastating things to the Angels that they would put him back on the roster. But with all the moves they've made, which, again, we'll dive into shortly, I don't see him coming back this year, and I'm not sure what his contractual status will be as far as um, the offseason, if he can become a free agent or not. But this this might be the end of Jared Walsh as a dynasty asset, not that he was one or much of one for the last year and a half. But once upon a time, he was a, a budding late arrival to MLB, and sometimes these guys come up and have very short windows of success, two, three years. And Scooter Jeanette's, you know, one of those prime examples we talk about here when we get into these type of guys where they come up late, they have uh, pockets where you get excited, but they're not able to sustain long term. You know, not everybody can be Jose Batista. And Jared Walsh could have a very successful career in Japan. Like, I mean, that could be the path for him. Like, that might be where the money is for sure. Yep. The power bat could play over there for sure. So I think that might be a, you know, there's some cases that like guys can actually be very successful. This might be one of them. Next up. Um, self Felix up. We haven't had a chance to comment on this one uh, since the last episode. Fun, fun fact. Uh, thank you, Baseball Reference, for providing nicknames. His is the Hit Collector, which doesn't wow. exactly fit on a jersey, but like, you know, you got to be a certain kind of hitter to to get that nickname. Um, yeah, they'll have so to take that off for 2023 because <laughs> he has right. not been the Hit Collector or the or the Dinger uh, Smacker. You know, he's got one, he's got one in the show, but 269 average in 26 at bats so far. I would say he's holding his own. Uh, what's my favorite part? Of course, you're wondering, Ty, eight walks, uh, no, I'm not. I know, five I strikeouts. Yeah, no, I knew it was. Yeah. So Sal Frelick, who I only have in one dynasty league, um, and it's actually the only dynasty league, Ty, I was going to comment on the painter thing with it, but um, it's the only dynasty league that I chose to build with a lot of prospect pitchers. And it's Ooh. been very slow. Sal Frelick is on that team. You know who else is on that team? Um, new Los Angeles Angel, um, Randall Gritchick, who we have not been mentioning <laughs> enough on this podcast. And we will get to him later. But I just wanted to break the ice on the first Gritchick mention. Um, yep. Gabriel Moreno of the Diamondbacks to the IL. Unfortunate since the Diamondbacks decided that they are going for it. And that's very exciting uh, that they are going to do that this year. But I don't know how long he's going to be out, but just the fact he's out. I mean, this hasn't been a perfect season by any stretch, but rookie catcher, you're given a lot of uh, a lot of rope to the guy. And um, the next one tie does hurt me as well. Uh, one one thing is, before we move off yeah, yeah. Moreno, like if you're if you have any chance to acquire him at this deadline, like do it. Like he he's not giving the power that he's capable of right now, but he's going to be coming. So just. And this is probably one of the last. You know, he reminds me of um, 
hit tool and just the stature and everything is Giovanni Soto. Just kind of a, a throwback, like body shape type hitter. Um, and, and for those of you that have been around fantasy baseball long enough to remember those days, um, was a stalwart of a, of a catcher spot. So anyway, sorry, moving on to the next one. I just wanted to yeah, well, put okay. that on the record. Cause I think, I don't think anybody's thinking like that about him yet. I, I, I think they kind of post hyped him already. So I just, I think it's relevant in a, in a lot of formats. Yeah. sounds good to me. Uh, Bieber to the 60 day IL and let the project arms enter the organization. Since I wrote that line, Ty, another one has shown up who we will talk to tonight. I can't wait to get your thoughts on it. But right now, Amir Garrett um, and Thor both entered. Thor started last night and um, five very good innings of baseball. Definitely was just told, here's what we'd like to see from you. Please go do this thing. And then got into the sixth and clearly you know, wasn't having it. Uh, gave up a run while well, was pulled. And then uh, the what was it? Uh, Eli Morgan came in and just blew it up. But five and a third in his debut with Cleveland, this is the best organization you can go to if you're Thor. You know, you want to get an MLB contract next year similar to the one you just got. Uh, the only hope you have is a heck of a stretch run with Cleveland. And he's there now. And with Bieber out, um, there's still three young starters in Cleveland plus what happened today. So it's interesting. And then Garrett, of course, is a throw-in arm. You don't know what you're going to get, but clearly he's, you know, down a step from what he was uh, once upon a time as the never going to, or no, going to be, but then never was legit closer for the Reds. And then, you know, since KC this year is where he started, ended there now. Um, Ty, do you have stats on the next guy? Uh, I do not, but I can. Okay, I'll grab the stats. I was hoping you knew who he was. I don't even know who he is. Elica <laughs> uh, Williams with the Pirates was the let me get this right here uh, first round pick in the 2020 draft he was a compensation round pick which by the way Ty I was not aware that with the rule changes last year one of the things that MLB did when they had the, the lockout um, they agreed that the teams in the AL and NL that win rookie of the year both get compensation round draft pick bonuses so the mariners had three picks in the first round i was like why did they have three um i i wasn't sure about the you know the third one well the third one they called it the julio pick because he was rookie of the year last year that explains why everyone's rushing all their prospects up well i mean it it certainly when you think about not just the fact that you get by the time seattle got on the board um when i was talking to jerry earlier today he said by the time we got on the board <laughs> Uh, they had the most money available in the draft for the remaining players. So before their first pick, because they had three kind of technical first round picks. So they were able to do what they did, which, I mean, we'll save it for an episode, but three high schoolers, and they were able to pull them all away from legit college commitments. So, but anyway, um, Akil Williams, who is just kind of like a, what's the deal with this guy? Rose pretty quick, double-A, triple-A this year, 12 home runs and six stolen bases, batted 268. But the Pirates are calling everybody up right now. So he's just the next guy up. And in 10 at-bats, uh, sorry, nine at-bats, uh, we've got we've got a hit for the kid, um, one walk, but that's all that it is to mention. Just thought I'd throw it out there because I had seen a few people on Twitter talk about this could be a sleeper. I think this is more someone who's just going to be put to sleep on Dynasty teams, uh, or sorry, on your Dynasty rosters. And by the end of this season, He'll be a forgotten former first round pick. He might fall under that category of cup of coffee, or as we like to say here, a tea sandwich. 
and uh, that might be about all we see from him. But got to mention the name. Yeah, and, and this, this one also sucks, right? <laughs> yeah, sleeping on fantasy rosters. Uh, Aaron Hicks to the AL. Uh, this this has to be the end of his time in Baltimore. I don't see any way, you know, when you've got Kirstad coming, when that outfield's playing as well as it is already, I just don't see a place for Aaron Hicks moving forward. He did a good job to play center field for the five days that they needed him, uh, and, and now it's time to say goodbye. So um, I think this might be the end of Aaron Hicks in, in pro ball. I, I think he's had enough failure to justify people moving on. Uh, we'll see. I, you know, you never hope for that for somebody, but you certainly got to consider that this is possibly the end for a guy that had a massive contract and lived up to absolutely none of it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Chris Bryant hurt again. Um, you know, this is, this is tough for, I think a lot of people that invested into him going to course field and s- expecting to see some gains. Um, it's not been that uh, to, to say the least. And I mean, he's, that team is is also in the very similar position of Pittsburgh where they're calling people up that can play positions um, yeah. because they, they've traded a lot of that core as well. Um, you know, it, it's it for me, Robbie, this is this is exactly what was destined to happen because this signing in Colorado made no sense to me at the time. Makes less sense now. I just I it don't was very much it. yeah, it was very much under the window of you know, we got rid of Arenado, big contract, blah blah blah, and then hey, look. We're going to pay not the same, but we're going in upper tiers worth of free agent dollars to this guy. And he came in and he started out hot. And then again, injuries. And it's been two years injury riddled for Chris Bryant. And if it wasn't for the fact that Colorado has had a bevy of other players who have been able to come up and kind of replace that position, however, not overall to you know make Colorado competitive, um, it would be a real sore spot very much. You know, like the why is this one guy getting paid? But they do have a few other guys that are still, you know, Blackman, uh, Gritchick, who, well, I guess formerly Gritchick, who are getting paid on the team. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year because they could have a serious youth movement and by all means have, I think, six position players all making under a million bucks, like starting position players. And that could be pretty neato for them. Um, San Francisco finally, well, not finally promoted, but we finally get to see former consensus top five fantasy prospect Marco Luciano, who all he did since reaching the highest of heights in 2020 as a uh, prospect has gone in the reverse order. Um, I don't really, we're not going to comment too much on the stat line. It's pretty early on for Luciano. Uh, Whoopsie. Oh my goodness. What am I doing? I'm pressing buttons. Sorry. Not only is my phone going or my computer going on sleep mode, my phone started talking to me. Um, really wanted me to place a bet on a baseball game. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're, we're going to give Luciano some more time to develop. But I mean, he's up and that's exciting. But San Francisco is also doing this weird thing that they always do, which is we're going to bring a prospect up and, you know, maybe we don't have a full-time everyday role for him. And then Gabe Kapler is going to, you know, do what he did to Hilio Ramos, which is like, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, sit down, shut up. You're on the bench. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they play that one out. Um, I I, he, I don't think he's ready. Right? We talked about this with Torkelson. I think Luciano's in the exact same spot. I think he definitely could have benefited from some more time in, in AAA. See see if it comes back to haunt them. Torkelson's probably a year behind of what he should have been. He's starting to come through now, luckily. Um, but, yeah, I think we're, we're looking at a very similar scenario there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, Seattle, your boys acquired... A piece of Toronto just to keep you happy and Trent Thornton. This one makes not a yeah. lot of sense because Trent Thornton. I was just terrible. gonna say, 
Yeah. Yeah. This is this is just the that was kind of like the prerequisite move to like we need arms, very much yeah. like St. Louis had done a couple of weeks back when they brought Tapera in, only to DFA him now. But I I wonder if they could go back in time if they would not do that. But obviously there was an issue where they thought they needed to do it. Um, utility. I have a feeling. I have a feeling they were prepping just in case they unloaded one of their young arms. Like I think they were seeing the market for bats. And, and, you know, if they were talking about this on MLB.com um, today or on uh, MLB TV, sorry, whatever, the MLB channel, whatever, the mm-hmm. trade deadline thing. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and how baseball been very, very good to tie. <laughs> yeah. Like if you, if you would have said like Gilbert to the Orioles, like you probably could have pulled away a prospect or two that of real clout, right? Like that's a trade that Baltimore would have done, right? So if you were Seattle, like if you, if you could have pulled, Kowser and I don't know, DL Hall for Gilbert. Do you do that? No. Interesting. I think they would. So no, I think Crawford they want long term. So they don't want to they have so many Crawford prospects. Sorry, you mean Kowser? No, like Seattle has Corey Crawford, who or sorry, JP Crawford, who I think they want long term shortstop. And I don't think so. That would get rid of your middle infield idea. No, no, Kowser's um, an outfielder. Yes, but you also who was the first guy you mentioned with Baltimore? I said Kowser and DL Hall pitcher. Hall. Hall. No, oh, DL. I'm so sorry. Hall. I'm sorry. I was yeah. thinking Adam. Um, okay, uh, I would still not do that deal because Seattle wants to make sure they have pitchers. They're loaded up with you know infielders, outfielders. As long as like somebody can wrap Kelnick's arm up every time he strikes out, so he doesn't do something stupid. Um, break his own hand then you know so so, so flip Kowser for Kobe Mayo do you do that deal the third baseman I would be far more interested absolutely yep and the reason being that after this year I think Suarez is gone and um the experiment of adding a bunch of guys and money was a good temporary one and as yeah. we'll get into with more of these deals here uh they the Mariners added money that they're now shedding at the end of the year to make sense for themselves moving forward but I wouldn't want to trade away youth if I'm the Mariners, unless I'm getting back like, you know, impact level type youth. And they've, they've done well, deals where they've traded away arms before and gotten back variety, but not young arms like this. But I think like they have enough, young, I say. but I think they have enough young arms that they could deal from it. Right. That's all I'm saying is I think that could have been a move to get a centerpiece, right? Like I, th- those guys could have happened. That's, it would have been one of two teams. Like, unfortunately, you've already played the trades with Seattle, so you're not, or with Cincinnati, so you're not going back to that well. Right. Yeah, right through there. So, so it's pretty much Cincinnati, or, or sorry, Baltimore or bust. Right, like that. That's the only way that I saw that happening. Um, but I do agree with the idea. Like, if I was Seattle, I would trade Gilbert all day. Like, Gilbert's good. Gilbert's not great. Like, that's just the difference. So if you can go and get a great piece to solidify the rest of your offensive core, which you don't really have a good one right now in Seattle, mm-hmm. I would do that trade all day. Well, they could have traded Castillo if they wanted to really try to recoup very much like they talked about San Diego possibly wanting to trade Snell. Uh, that Neither of those happened. One, one you, move that, you got Castillo on a really good deal, though. I don't think you do that. That deal's really good for an ace. Well, he's he's done at the end of this year. So no, you had him for he's got five. They, re- they extended him. He's got five. Did they extend Lewis? Okay. Yep. Well, that's my mistake there. I was 
when Jerry and I were talking earlier, we weren't we weren't talking about the details of of extensions. We were talking about moves that he had made last year and what he's, he was planning to do. He's seen you use a spreadsheet, so he didn't want to exchange numbers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, um, a utility starting pitcher, and I call him a utility because he's not like overly valued or anything. Um, I have it written as Tucker Davidson. It's not Tucker Davidson, but Davidson, who was formerly of the Angels, now with Kansas City. Uh, it's just like a filler type move that we'll probably see a half a dozen starts because Kansas City starting rotation, um, not just bad, but also injured. Uh, Willie Calhoun DFA'd by the Yankees. That was a few days ago. Ryu back with Toronto. Um, and Toronto, in my opinion, Ty, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but obviously I want to hear from you about this. Uh, I believe they're now punting their season with the six-man rotation. They're getting credit where the credit is not due. And if you talk to Taylor Ward, I don't think he would disagree with me on the fact that um, Alec Manoa should not be pitching to major league hitters right now. See, I disagree. I, I feel that way about Ryu. And I watched Ryu pitch for a little bit this evening. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Ryu is just not – like, I, I love Ryu. He's a pitcher. Like, I love the way – he's more of an artist than a He's thrower. a craftsman. Yeah, right. and I and, yeah. and I don't want to take away from that because I like that more than the throwers we see today. However, I still believe Alec Manoa is the best pitcher in the Jays rotation, and and that's going to ruffle people's feathers. But I I agree that they're hurting themselves with Ryu, and I also cannot for the life of me understand why you launch him against the Orioles. Like I just don't understand. Let's take a guy that's been off for a year and put his first game back against. You division know, leading upstart team yeah like yeah. best best record in the al like total baltimore orioles i don't understand that move at all um he held his own i will say that he's not the reason they're getting dusted tonight um he pitched okay yep. now he five innings some, pitch three k's one home run one walk he gave like, up some really loud yeah ball. really loud contact in the first inning though like he got hit hard and mount castle just did what he does in toronto which is hit literally everything if you ever sit Mountcastle while he's in Toronto, you're an idiot. Um, never, ever, ever sit him when he goes to Toronto. Um, but anyway, I, I don't like Ryu um, in that rotation just be, because I'm more positive Manoa. That's all. I, I, I feel like his last start was good. He got a little loose at the end when he hit Ward, but he was very good before that. So I, I'm a, I believe Manoa is going to be an important part down the stretch. So I don't think he should be out, but I, I do not like the six-man rotation to put that to bed. Yeah, I just uh, you're you're veteran laden, and you're like, hey guys, I got a great idea. Pitch once a week instead of yeah. you know every one of you or not everyone, but one of you each week is going to get two starts. We're going to slow this down when we're trying to roll. Anyway, great way to kill momentum is to change pitchers' uh, routines. But Texas- I actually think <clears throat> one one last thing on the six man because I think LA the Angels running the same thing. I actually think it hurts the bullpen more than it hurts the rotation because you lose a man out of the pen. And you end up having to shuffle through guys. And so you're ending up in like using options and different things to keep people alive. Right. So like, that's the thing I don't like about it. And I, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Um, anyway, Texas, Jonah Heim, uh, second half gone yeah. for a little bit here. Yeah. He's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, Texas has since, I believe it was Austin Hedges. We'll get down further uh, that they've acquired him. But when I wrote this tie, I was thinking, well, there should be a couple catchers that could be. There's this one guy that I know you like in Texas. Um, 
is it finally going to work out? Well, no, it turns out, no, they're not. They're just going to go and get Austin Hedges. So um, damn the thoughts of prospects getting at bats. But I mean, Texas did you know, load up. They did the load up of load ups. Um, speaking of a load, Chris Flexen is going to be dumping them in Colorado because he's now going to be pitching in that rotation. And that's unfortunate for everybody who wanted to see good things out of him. I mean, we knew when he came in his first year back from the KBO, that was peak season. We all talked about it. We weren't surprised that there was a bit of regression. You know, the more... Uh, tape and things they get on him. Okay, this is how he's changed. Da, 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 da. So that was a quick one. But Ty, this was like a fantasy darling that never came to be. Do you recall any hype? And this was not prospect hype. This was, oh, this guy with the Reds, um, Reaver San Martin, pitcher. It was an offseason guy in rookie redrafts, you know, where you could draft anybody under 50 innings pitch. People are like, this is going to be a guy, right? This could be like an SP3 type guy with the Reds. Um, he has not done that since I think that was like 2020 season. He's not done that since now UCL surgery, um, 2025. It's most likely when we're going to see him again. So it, only in your deepest of leagues, would you reach for somebody like this? If you have room and at that point, I mean, we're talking about a dart throw. Um, yeah, yeah. these are tough surgeries to come back from. Even then this is a reliever, right? Like you're not, you don't throw darts at a reliever in a deep format. So like, you got to have a really special view of this player to be able to make that call. In my opinion, uh, I just don't see it as relevant. Um, next up, we got Kendall Graven back to Houston uh, for my boy, Corey Lee, former number one prospect in the Houston organization, which doesn't say a whole lot based on the Houston organizations, you know, nope. or, dra or prospect list at that time. However, I do love this trade for the white Sox. Like, I think this is a win. I think Corey Lee's a major league catcher and he's been blocked by a guy that gets out every single time he hits. Um, so, you know, this is an opportunity for Corey Lee to probably get some real time here in the second half. I don't know that they'll rush him up, but we might see him sooner than later. Yeah. I think he could be the kind of guy who, if we don't see this year, could be an opening day, 2024. Look at this guy on our roster, you know, catcher um, for Corey Lee, Max Scherzer. This was an exciting one. Uh, to Texas for Acuna or Acuna, sorry, um, in fantasy baseball tie. I don't think anyone makes this deal. They would all cry foul. You got to give up more than Acuna to get. And not this is not um, Ronald. This is what is it? Is it Yens Yensil? No, something like that. I get starts, this part wrong. Starts with an L. It's like lasagna, basically. Okay, lasagna Acuna. We'll just go with that tonight because, you know, I was drinking before we started recording. I'm drinking now. I'm not concerned with that name. The last one's all that we care about. But in fantasy baseball, one for one, your contract league, whatever, that deal's not happening. Scherzer's worth more in fantasy than he is in real life because his contract hurts. And Ty, I think the only reason this trade happened was that there's insurance when players get hurt where teams only pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, not tens of millions of dollars. When the player is injured, like DeGrom, they would have taken insurance out on DeGrom getting hurt. So they had money available for a guy like Max. And I'm assuming that with his deal uh, ending at the end of 2024, DeGrom will probably be on the IL until the end of 2024. They're like, eh, it's a wash. We'll just put in Scherzer in place of DeGrom and try to keep our window open, which they are forcing hard with the moves that they have made. And I applaud Texas for doing it giving up Acuna when you consistently have been able to produce mid-level MLB outfielders, that's okay. You know, if Acuna is special, good for the Mets. Um, but in the meantime, the Mets are just trying to save money. Well, right? and keep in mind that the Mets also get $36 million in this deal too, right? So like 
They they got yeah, uh, that's the other the asset Aeronaut- they acquired. Yeah. They got the Arenado special, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to move the money; they just don't have to spend it now. Yeah, um, like I and still, Texas I still also. Can't believe, I still can't believe the Rockies, like I, the owner, wasn't like afraid that Arenado was going to marry his daughter or something like this. Like it just <laughs> trade that trade still makes no sense. But yes, <laughs> there should be a book written about it at some point in time. It'd be better than any TV show. Um, Texas wasn't done making moves. Uh, they added Jordan Montgomery from St. Louis for an interesting trio that i mean we're gonna look at the names say the names now and then we're gonna look at them again at the end of the season to see what texas actually has here uh left-handed pitcher john king infielder thomas sagas i'm gonna go with that and right-handed pitcher oh man why didn't i give you these uh <laughs> to Kohei Roby. Oh, geez, that's pretty good that sounds like sounds like a robot i was robot. gonna, I was gonna say Takeo Roby. Takeo Roby. That- Okay, uh, that's that's what yeah, I'm I think with. that you could take oh, a shot on that one. Yeah, um, that's good. Okay, anyway, Jordan Montgomery moves. That's cool. That's hip. That's fun. That's exciting. We want to see um, Jordan Montgomery sign a big deal somewhere for six years and then suck, but okay. get his get himself Sorry. paid. I looked it up because I was just curious. Yeah, to for pronunciation. Koa, to Koa Robbie. Oh, to Koa Robbie. Okay. Yeah. Well, to a Shay. Okay. I like it. Um, I'm going to give you this one, Ty. I don't want any part of it. Yeah, Jordan Hicks to the Jays. Uh, This, you know, I didn't like the value we gave up for him. It was a need. Agreed. Romano uh, hurt, definitely forced his hand. What made me feel a lot better about this trade is when we were done all of our transactions with St. Louis, that (laughs) it ended up as as a very good trade for Toronto, right? Like, if you were to look at it from the perspective of Hicks, Cabrera, and DeYoung, for basically Robert's, like that's a pretty good trade, right? Like the rest of what we gave up was basically nothing. We gave up a low level catcher that doesn't have a huge high ceiling. We gave up a, an A ball reliever, right? And then we gave was up Robert's team. No, no, we gave up A ball. Svansson was the guy that went today for the young. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. And then Clawson's yes, that's team right. And Robert's. An older A ball reliever. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Robert's is definitely the big piece in that trade. But when you look at him being the only piece to get those three players, really not a bad trade. Because as much as Robert's is probably going to be a major leaguer, I don't see him as a as a high impact major leaguer. See him as a SP five high end, if not a middle reliever. Uh, so I'm not that upset. Klofenstein, you know, we were excited about the potential for Klofenstein. We haven't seen it. He'd ha- we'd mentioned this a couple months ago that he was having a sneaky little season under the mm-hmm. radar with no one paying attention. Um, he's building. I don't, I still feel very similar to the way about Robert's. Like, I just don't think either of these guys are like elite. And I think if you go back in Jay's lower history, like Justin Nicolino is the kind of guy here that got a lot of hype way more than he should have was part of that big Miami deal years and years ago. Um, and never, ever made it anywhere. And although Robert's has made it further than that, like I said, I do think he's a pro. I do think the rest of this trade is a wash. Um, so I think for why we did this trade, I think it makes sense. What we gave up, I think it makes sense. Um, overall, I think it's a fine trade uh, when you get to the bottom. of it. And Jordan Hicks is definitely the best player we got back. But up until tonight, when Cabrera got absolutely ripped, uh, he's been lights out for the Jays. So I really believe we we balanced our bullpen. We got our second lefty. And overall, I just really like the way that this this played out. Yeah, tonight Jordan Hicks in his uh, Jays debut, one inning, uh, two earned runs, three hits given up, no Ks. 
unfortunate, but again, um, that was already in a game that was blown out. One of the things Toronto did have to do was DFA Mitch White. People were excited about him headed into the season. Ty, you had some, some dynasty hope for him, nothing overly shiny, but there was the assumption that he could be useful to the Jays. Mm -hmm. That has been, um, you know, big, uh, put out very much like Zach Thompson, uh, who also came over from Pittsburgh in the offseason. It was kind of like one of, one of these guys, maybe both could be able to help. Well, uh, Toronto has deemed it unnecessary. And since we've talked about both Toronto trades now, I did want to say the thing that bugs me the most about these deals with Toronto is that they're getting a lot of credit for making moves. But the only thing they did, Ty, was replace injured starters. They didn't actually add to their team. Right, mm -hmm. Bo gets hurt, they go get another shortstop. Their closer gets hurt, they go get another closer. Cool, you didn't get worse, but you also didn't get better because you don't know how long Romano's going to be out, and then we're kind of waiting on exactly what the real deal is with Bo. But it just kind of bugged me that this is just another one of the moves, another one of the deadlines that Toronto made. Their thing used to be controllable assets. We're trying to accumulate controllable assets, but then they cut a guy named Miguel Anduar, um, who goes off and has what it was a two and a half good years with the Yankees. Um, but they make weird you moves. You Gio Urshela? Oh, Urshela. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, but they just they make weird moves and they don't commit. And this to me is another instance of a team not committing. And this is another year. Uh, of Vlad and Bo that gets struck off contractual status. You know, Chapman's gone at the end of this year. There are guys leaving this organization that they'll need to replace. And instead of looking to make impactful trades, like you don't want to trade Ricky Tiedemann, and that's your dynamite chip. But why wouldn't you trade him if there's the ability to make, you know, that kind of future player now deal? Um, and I don't know if it's if there's too much in their head, but they seem to trade their prospects in the offseason. But then when it's time to actually like conf like really, you know, signify your roster, put your stamp on it, say you're in, they don't do it. And I, despite the two moves, like I said, they're not moves they made to add to the 26 man. They're moves to make because two guys got hurt and left the 26 man. Um, so I, I'm going to disagree a little bit and I know like, I like the way Ross has built the team. I like the way he's gone after guys. I like the trades that we've made. Like we talked about this, this time last year when we got Merrifield. Right, everyone's like, "Why would you get that guy? He's old and it's over." And look how good he's been this year. Right, it was a great trade, uh, smart trade. We paid nothing for him. You know, Cabrera is a free agent in twenty six. Like we've got two more years of Cabrera after this. Right, so that's a that's a great trade for a low level catcher on a guy that has two dynamite pitches from the left side. I, I like that trade all day, every day. So I think that is a little bit of contrary to what you're saying. But like, we needed a second lefty in this pen. Cabrera for me is is the our best lefty like Mays is awesome but cabrera with control is is better and it's no knock on but Mesa. Is, it's just, just what just cabrera's to, ceiling can be just to go out quickly on it this is the same excitement people had uh last year with the deal with miami for zach pop yep look at this guy look at what he can do and now what's he doing in the organization other than well, popping off about I airlines i think they're just fixing his slider and i think they're also keeping him away from the Anthony Bass stuff because he got looped into that, right? So I think that's that's part of it. I think they've kept him hidden on purpose. Um, but it's just to my point of like you're not adding um, <clears throat> several pieces as, as other teams did. And again, like I'm not saying they have to, but what I'm saying is you've got two franchise players in Bo and Vlad who you're supposed to be feeding, who you do in the offseason, right? You feed the egos, you get, you get the other guys 
You've done everything you can with the rotation. No, no negative thing to say about the rotation as far as how they've built it. The problem is how they're going to execute it by saying six guys are going to pitch. Make it a five-man yeah, thing. Make like it a dogfight. Right. And that's that's the thing that I, I'm struggling with because for fantasy purposes, it hurts each and every one of those starters. And in the league that I have Gosman in where he's very important to me, I do not like the fact that I'm not going to see a two-start week out of him in September when I'm going to be in my playoffs making a run. Yeah. And that sucks for me. But it also on a on a larger scale sucks because it's hurting their end lines and it's going to get them all one less start as the year, you know, as the year ends. And I get that you're paying Ryu as the Blue Jays, you're paying Ryu 20 million bucks this year. So you want to get those starts because each start's going to be worth what 10 starts, 2 million bucks a start. You need those five innings um, to help in other areas. But at the same time, it's just like the teams that go all in are the ones that I believe in and the teams that make cautious moves I'm interested to know what what they're really thinking, but I feel like the Jays consistently make they consistently make moves that are about um, not taking the next step for the sake of expiring contracts. So even with the two they took on, it's just because guys got hurt. Like that to me, that's the justification. Well, they would not so, have made these deals if it, players didn't get injured. So so the other part that you don't know because you probably didn't see this tonight, um, Bichette isn't going to be on the shelf for that long. So it was a patellar sprain, uh, tendon sprain, which if you're to ever hurt anything in your knee, the patellar tendon, as long as it's not very severe, is one of the better ones. There's no good one to hurt in the knee for the record, but it's one of the better ones that you can hurt. So it's inflammation. There's no real major structural damage, right? So it sounds like a minor sprain. He's probably going to end up on the, the IL, but it is minor from the sounds of it. So I think that played into this. Because what you can do is you're going to have DeYoung to play second base when Bo's back. You're going to have Merrifield in the left field, and you're going to solve the black hole that's been Dalton Varsho in that lineup. So, like, I think there's a move there. The second part to that that I do like about this trade, and compliments, I always dump on my brother, but he actually made me aware of this because I didn't know either. But uh, Paul DeYoung has two options. So he has two more years that they could potentially pick up at 12 and 15, which isn't ideal yeah. in terms of They're money. How, how, However... If, you, if you're not going to re-sign Witt, which I think you're going to have a pretty good idea at the end of the season, what he's going to get, I think you can pay Witt 15 a year, and I would rather do that. And I think that's what they'll try to do. However, if he does leave, that's a really good acquisition that costs you absolutely nothing to give you that safety net while you wait for Orvelis and Barger. And guess what? You don't have to make that decision for both of those years. Like Paul DeYoung is at $12 million, a defensive guy that can play second base, and give you flexibility to replace Merrifield for next year. I like that trade a lot. So this is what I'm saying. Like I like the way Ross sets us up because he makes some of those smart moves. And guess what? If you're able to retain Merrifield, he's your left fielder. And and now you've got your infield set, you've got your outfield set, and you also have the possibility of of losing Chapman on top of that. So I like the move here because there's not a lot of bats in free agency. So like Chapman's going to get paid way more than he should, mm -hmm. and Toronto's not going to do it. So the young gives you a little bit of safety so you don't have to put Barger and Orvelos Martinez into the lineup next year. Okay. Well, that was enough Jay's talk. Uh, let's get to something super exciting. Utility infielder, Nikki Lopez traded to Atlanta for pitcher Ryan O'Hearn next. Um, the angels acquired Grichuk and CJ Cron from Colorado for Jake Madden. And unfortunately left-handed pitching prospect Mason Albright, and it's really too bad for Albright because in 2021, he was signed, I think it was 12th round pick. He he was way over slot. And a few of the, you know, smart fantasy people out there were like, what's the deal with this guy? Looked into it a bit. 
oh, he was an academy guy. He's a really good pitcher. He was supposed to go to to college, and the Angels were able to free up the cash to convince him to sign. And um, now he's going to go out there and live a, a slow death in Colorado. What's what's the ceiling on the best pitching prospect in a decade we've seen in Colorado? Jermaine Marquez, we had, what, SP2 ceiling on, which he never achieved. Um, and now he's not even pitching. You know, injuries, of course, he's not performance. but um, And then Freeland. So you're, that's your upside. Don't forget Jimenez. He was pretty good, but he, he was one year and he was traded in and that could have been, was it, was that a decade ago? Mm, Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe whatever Colorado had still running 21 miles a day or whatever he runs. (laughs) But anyway, it was just unfortunate. (laughs) And for those who were sleeper or like who were there early and made the Mason Albright pick. um, And then other people like me came along and were like, Oh, I thought he'd go later in the draft. Any interest? And you said, no, well, that's why you deal prospects, people. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know when they're pitchers and going to get traded to Colorado. Um, anyway, Ty, do you want the next one? It's fun. It's yeah, Verlander and, and a now. pile of money to Atlanta or to Houston. Sorry, this is a weird one for me. Like, it's just not what I would have targeted if I was the Mets, right? Like, the no knock on Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford definitely is a rising prospect on almost pretty much every list. Um, but I, I definitely like. There's no way I make this trade without one of Pedro Leone or Luis Baez. Like I, I just don't, I don't do this trade with those guys. Like I don't necessarily have a problem with either of these guys, but I just I find it very odd that the Mets didn't target the other guys. They need outfielders, right? Like that's that's a reality for the Mets. They mm-hmm. don't need infielders. Also a reality. However, if you were to collect a lot of really good infielders you could maybe get rid of that Lindor contract, right? Like that's, that's the way that I would have positioned myself. Cause you, if you're gonna, you know, take this step the way you have this year, like the, you got to get rid of Lindor and, and you've got to think about maybe even getting rid of Alonzo, right? Like the, that's the reality of what you are as a Mets team right now. So I, I just find this, this return, not bad, just weird. So that's my read on this one. Yeah, I mean the Mets are sending 35 million to the Astros for uh this year and next year as far as covering salary and if if uh Verlander I think it's oh yeah, if he pitches 140 innings next year, the conditions on conditions, right? Um then the Mets are also on the hook for 17 and a half million of Verlander's 2025 option that will vest at that point. Like man, that is expensive for a couple prospects. And what you're what you're trying to do out of this I guess is do a major reset. Um, but you just acquired this offseason four supposedly legit starting pitchers. Two of them are aces, Scherzer and uh, Verlander, who are now gone. One of them got hurt in spring training, unfortunately, who had had an excellent um, spring training and 2022 in Quintana. And then you picked up, you know, the best pitcher from KBO in Sanga. Well, the only two guys left, Quintana's made what, two starts? as as a met so far um through injury not his fault of course but your season hasn't gone the way you wanted but you're you're punting with so many games to go and giving up so much money to only get back and it doesn't sound right to say only get back when it's two good prospects but to only get back two prospects with the amount of money you're spending why not just keep Verlander? like what are you going to lose you could still get a deal where you just don't have to spend the money but instead, you're shipping them, which means it's against your cap. So that just means they're not going to be spending this money this offseason. 
Um, and for Houston, it's it's just like unfair for them to get it back. Yes, Gilbert was their first round pick last year, but he signed for I think under five million dollars, and you're getting back like possibly forty million dollars over the next three years in savings off of Verlander's contract. That's a heck of a deal to make if you are drafting um, your first round player and turning him into uh, the return of your Hall of Fame pitcher. You know, in yeah, like, Verlander, who hasn't I been mean, Hall of Fame worthy, but hasn't sucked. Yeah, like this is, I mean, Houston's rotation needed some stability. Like this is, this both, this makes sense for both teams. Like I don't see this as a bad trade. I just think it's, it's the wrong way to approach it. Like, you know, and this is like, if we look back on Epler and his time in, in the Angels, like, you know, this is a scenario where he did a poor job of building that roster too, right? So to go get two outfielders that, you know, aren't the two best guys you can get in this trade when you're paying all this money to give away a Hall of Famer. I don't know. I don't love it. Like I said, I would have got Baez or Pedro Leon, and and I don't do a deal without one of those guys in it. Um, well, they also Gilbert, go ahead. Like time, Houston also has seven starters now. Like yeah. they sent um, whatever it was, like B B Black, whatever his his name is. I apologize for not getting his right because I actually like him and and I have him in a few dynasty leagues. But Framber Valdez, Jose Arquidi is now back. Um, obviously, McCullers is hurt. Christian Javier, Hunter Brown. Uh, you've been using JP France. You're now adding Verlander to the mix. And then, like I said, you sent down, I'm going to try to find the name, just pronounce it properly. The man just deserves really quickly, it. But anyway, seventh. The SP. way they're all, the way they're all pitching now, JP France might be SP three on that team. Like that's just where they're at. Like Javier might be SP four at this point. Right. I think he'll bounce back, but like right now mm -hmm. France has kind of earned that spot. Like be going down, I think makes a ton of sense. Um, his stuff is okay at best. He's a great SP five spot yeah. starter. Not a yeah, guy you want to run guy. every time. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, you're equating, we've seen be successful out of the pen, and I think that's the way they'll use him. Um, and then Blanco is his is a guy that I think can flourish a little bit here. So I, I don't hate it. Hunter Brown's obviously gonna be in there. So like if that's your five and your in your worst case scenario is that you have extra Blanco and your equity, cool. That's a good problem to have. Um, it just screws Houston guys long term, though. That's what bugs me about it. Like all the guys we're talking about at the back end of that rotation. Verlander's presence is is two to three years beyond this year, or sorry, two years beyond this year, and that's yeah. Sucks. But your but your equity hasn't been able to stay in that rotation his entire career, right? Like, I mean, so you know, as much as you want to say that, like, you have a team that's ready to win a championship again, and you know, you can't rely on a guy like your equity to stay healthy. You also can't count on a guy like Hunter Brown to stay hot all the way through the end of the season as a young guy that's getting his innings built up still, right? So. Like when you when you start to think about those things, like there's a very real scenario here that Houston's just thinking logically, like you know we are going to run out of some some capacity here, and this trade helps us. So I I, I don't have a problem with it, Robbie. I, you can never have too much pitching down the stretch. That's just a reality. Toronto, Houston, both have enough, almost too much, but I'm sure they'll work through it. And in both cases, they need to hit to win. Pitching's not going to matter for either of those teams. They're just going to be in it. Um, and, and whether they hit or not will determine how they how they finish. But um, we've talked about that. We talked about the return uh, for the Mets heading to the Orioles, who made a nice splash and and did it in a in a very efficient way, if you ask me. Acquiring Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals to finish off their fire sale, uh, they gave up Cesar Prado, Drew Rom, and Zach Showalter, which is an okay return. Um, and I think does Jack Flaherty doesn't deserve a whole lot more based on how he's pitched up till right. now. But he's now he, yep. But now he has the defense of the Great Wall, um, so maybe that will help him give up less taters. We'll see. 
but I, I like this trade for the Orioles. It's it's not a huge risk. Uh, they didn't give up a lot of of super high end stuff here, and they got a guy that could be really impactful for them down the stretch. Yeah, um, Prado is a decent prospect, eight sixty eight OPS, uh, twenty seven strikeouts, eighty five games in Double A and Triple A. Uh, Rom five thirty four ERA, hundred strikeouts and eighty six innings in Triple A. Ignore the ERA. That's one of those the guys working on stuff. Um, and then Showalter is interesting. The other thing Baltimore did do, which they did before this trade, was they sent down my boy Tyler Wells to get him right because three starts after the All Star break, something's off with him, um, and they're gonna they're gonna get it right, and he's gonna be one of those guys down the stretch that comes back. But Flaherty, more to the point, is gonna be the guy they're hoping shows up and just like has a run right now with Baltimore. This was the big acquisition for them, and I hope it works out. Um, you know, they spanked the Jays tonight and they're probably going to do it the next couple days too. Um, I don't know if we're going to see Flaherty in this um, spell here, like where he would be in his own rotation, but that's an interesting one. Uh, we're going to circle back to D- the Dijon trade. If we need to tire, we can continue to move on. You did talk yep. about the fact he's got the club options. Um, and then, like you said, it was a um, 13 round pick in 2021 Svansson. Um, to the cards, 24-year-old, 1.11 ERA, 39 Ks over 32 and a third innings. However, he's in high A. That's not what you want from a 24-year-old. You'd like to see that at AAA. That would garner um, some interest. Tigers traded an all-star. They traded an all-star today, tied to the Phillies. Michael Lorenzen, the $8 million man. Um, and they got back a kind of intriguing fantasy prospect infielder, How you Lee. Um, Lee, number five prospect with Phillies, 283 since he's been promoted to triple a uh he's supposed to be a hit first type guy but again second baseman not a ton of power however for fantasy purposes you got to fill out all the positions um so he's to me interesting i like this trade for detroit they got a player back that could see mlb time in the next 18 months yeah i don't have a problem with it either giving up lorenzen was always the plan like they didn't sign lorenzen to do anything but this they clearly had a guy that they wanted uh, they want him for a reason, so that's always a, a good sign when it comes to this. Uh, it, it, the one thing I will say about this trade deadline, there was a lot more like one-for-one tra- trades that were somewhat lopsided, right? Like As much as I, I don't think Lorenzen is a star, I think he's been overhyped for several years because guess what? He swung a bat a couple times. Um, but I, I think in this scenario here, like we're seeing a, a trade for a major leaguer that clearly has more value than current how you leave, right? So it's interesting, like the the trade that a couple of the trades that the Jays made with the Cardinals would fit that category. And we've seen a couple other throughout throughout the deadline, but I, I like it. It's it's a it's a sign of trade value starting to shift again. Um, the only thing I will say is that the trade values of hitters is still very, very high, which is a really interesting um, scenario. So next on the list, the Padres added to their bullpen, as they call it, um, Scott Barlow. <laughs> headed out there for Henry Williams. Um, Padres, this, you know, adding a little bit of depth for them is, is good. They needed to just fill in a couple gaps in that pen. Um, Barlow certainly could do that for them. He's had a down year, 5-3-5 ERA. Not great for a guy that was, you know, pretty electric over the last couple years. But he is 13 for 16 in the saves um, and, and has been, you know, kind of bad in his last <laughs> couple outings here, last 16 outings. 22 hits, 11 walks, 14 earned runs across 15 and two-third innings. Uh, for an 804 ERA, which you do not love to see. Um, but he can pitch, like we know this. And it could be a scenario where he goes to work knowing his team sucks and he's not at all motivated 
to to lock it down because it does nothing for their team for him to be good, right? Like it, it absolutely actually hurts their future by improving their or re- reducing their potential upside of draft picks by winning games. So you know they're not they're not in time. He watched Chapman come in and go out. Uh, Amir Garrett came in. He was out. Hard yeah, he to stay motivated first, if your friends uh, and then he left. Well, it's hard to, hard to stay motivated if maybe some of your friends are leaving or the more talented guys, um, which I think you know that's safe to say. At one time, at least, they were more talented uh, for Barlow to keep chugging along. But either way, yeah, it's a minor move. Um, this was maybe the most interesting move all day. Well, maybe it's going to be up for debate. Um, this one's the my favorite one. of the day. Yeah, the Marlins acquire. Um, I'm going to call him a frustrating fantasy player, Josh Bell, who I thought was going to have a monster year this year. Um, for Gene Segura, who was previously DFA'd, and this is the big one, uh, former first-round pick Khalil Watson. So uh, Bell, 701 OPS, 11 home runs in 97 games, and he's had a little bit of a power blip, I think three dingers the last two weeks. But Bell's moving again. Last year, he was really good in Washington, got moved to the Padres and fell off a cliff. And I don't, I don't know what to say about that. But on the other side of this, Segura is under contract next year. I have no idea if there's money involved in this because they traded him. So Segura's money, like his contract moves, it's not like he was cleared and the Marlins owe all the money. There's there's money with it, which I think is why Watson went in this deal. Maybe that's how they got it done. But he was the 16th overall pick in 2021, 727 OPS, nine dingers, 14 stolen bases, um, this year, and again, we're lower levels with the Marlins. This is a high school drafted guy, and he's on the slow burn right now because he was somebody who was like a breakout fantasy type guy, and then as soon as he got his first full season in pro ball, we were trying to tell everybody to pump the brakes a year ago. Don't go, you know, thinking Khalil Watson's career is over because he's got a high strikeout rate. We were listening to other, you know, fantasy analysts who were selling him away slow burn on this guy. Not everybody needs to be Jared Kelnick and rush up because we've seen what's happened with Jared Kelnick. You can have a slow burn. Cleo Watson's a slow burn. Now he's in an organization that promotes their prospects, um, especially their infield ones. Their entire infield is now going to be full of them. So it's a credit to Cleveland to get another one that I think they can work with. And hopefully we'll see some positives from it. But Bell to Miami, I think really sucks because it's a bigger park. Um, I don't know. It's a better team, I guess. Maybe that's the deal. really better team. But he's not a home run guy, right? Like he's a get on base guy. And every now and then the ball goes out. But, you know, I think this is an interesting move for Miami, who made it very clear in the offseason their move was going to be acquire contact bats. And mm-hmm. Bell certainly fits that mold, although he's made less of it this year than what we've seen in previous years. I don't mind this move for Miami. It, it brings in a veteran that's been around, um, a switch hitter that can give them some unique looks, right? So, like, I like it for their roster flexibility. It adds another veteran, which they need. Um, on the Cleveland side, this year I think it was a throw-in. I think it was a, hey, do you want this guy? And they're like, sweet. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a guy that can be an old guy on our young guy team. Um, I right? feel like I, he's the reason it was Watson. I that's, do too. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I think like, it was always Watson. And I, and I think it might have been a show of good right, faith. What of gets like, it done? Or, no, I think it might have been like Khalil for Bell and like, Hey, do you want Segura too? Like, we kind of feel bad for the guy, like, and we don't want him to hang around anymore. Will you take him too? And Cleveland's like, sure, why not? Like, we don't have anyone that's over the age of twenty-four on our on our team anymore. So right. let's let's. Our oldest player guy. is Jose Ramirez. 
yeah so so we'll we'll take this guy and maybe Segura and Ramirez are friends too you never know those things behind the scenes but anyway I like for me the, the best part of this trade is like Khalil Watson the big knock on him was personality or or arrogance or or whatever personality flair that he stopped him from being the first overall guy because that's what he was right. supposed to be right and he never became that guy there's clear abrasion in this organization for the Marlins good for him Again, out of there, good for for yeah. Miami for getting rid of them, and and probably really good for Cleveland because they're very good at developing these sort of guys. So, Robbie, I'm gonna I'm gonna get ahead of us a little bit, and I'm sure. just gonna toss them right in. Hello, is it me you're looking for? It's bold. Team post hype, twenty one year old into team post hype already, but I but I really think that's how people have moved off of Watson. And you mentioned at the slow burn conversation. That's why this is my favorite trade of today because Khalil Watson's value just hit the bottom and bounced. And and we're gonna go the other way from here. And I and I love this trade for Cleveland. I think this was a very good one that got out from Bell. And I think they they made a really strong acquisition for their organization. Yeah. All right. Padres acquire <clears throat> Rich Hill, baby. He's still out there. And first baseman J Man Choi from the Pirates. Uh, in return, the Pirates get legit prospects, Jackson Wolf, um, contacty first baseman guy. I don't know what they're going to do. Alfonso Rivas, who's old, and then outfielder uh, Astor Suaro nailed it. Um, so 43 is the age of Hill, and uh, he's been fine. And this is just another player that you know they started to add. So it's. It's more interesting. Uh, Choi, we know, is good. We talked about the idea of Choi, like good as far as like fantasy guy that you you could take a shot on. Um, since he's been back from injury, he's you know in a platoon situation, nine thirty OPS, uh, four dingers, cool. Uh, but here's a fun one: six seven foot Wolf um, going from the Padres to the Pirates. He was the sixteenth prospect. Uh, he's got a slider, curveball. Good fastball, but not high velo. Ninety two is the the max out. Um, he just got promoted to double A. Seven and, and only throw ninety. Like how's well, that? I don't, even, sorry, like, I said double A. Uh, he just got his made his MLB debut on the twenty second, uh, but prior to that, he was in double A all year with San Antonio. Uh, so I don't know what Pittsburgh's going to do. But the thing that fear that that puts fear into my uh, my heart about this with Wolf is that. The Pirates have not done good things with pitchers. It's taken years. We talked about it on a recent podcast with Mitch Keller. And Rosemary Contreras is the current case of that. But Contreras was a guy that came over in the tie-on deal when it was a four-for-one or something like that. And he's the one who all of a sudden was anointed like, oh, no one knew about him, but he's now a legit guy. Maybe he never was. Maybe he never should have been. Maybe he was just a really young guy that was succeeding early. We'll have to see with Wolf. But I was just going to say, Ty, to your point, the fact that Wolf is not dominating with that frame might mean the Pirates are like, we're going to get you into the um, Velo camp this season and you and Skeens are going to hang out and we're going to see what we can get from this. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I think that's a very reasonable um, outcome on that one, to be honest. Like, the only thing for me is like if you're 6'7 and, and you do this for a profession, like you, how do you not use that catapult of a limb to just be able to sling it. Like I just know that doesn't even make sense to me. Uh, just but, because you know, he's like, so big, if he comes down like right across, he could confuse hitters because it's coming so slow. 
you know, like Maybe. they're expecting yeah. another eight, 10 miles on it and he's not providing it. <laughs> so his off speed would play really big because they're just afraid of the body. Right. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Yep. And, and just to put the bet on R- Rosny Contreras, his Gary is not getting better by the day. Um, so yeah, that's, that needs to be fixed. I I've said this before. There was, there was more bottom, right? So just on Contreras, remember it'll come back. Um, next up on the list, Tommy Pham headed to the D backs for infielder, Jamie Rodriguez. Uh, Pham is, uh, you know, I was having this debate earlier with someone, uh, Pham is one of the more underrated baseball players in baseball. Like he's never going to woo you with like eliteness, but he's definitely a guy that helps teams win. Um, and has been one of the better Mets over the last several weeks. Um, he's on a good deal. He can play left field and DH and, you know, adds a little bit of veteran presence to that D-back uh, outfield, which it needs. Uh, and the right-handed bat is also welcome because they got way too many lefties in that outfield as well. So gives them some good balance. Uh, I like it. 268, 348, 472 over the last 79 games. Nothing to hate about that. Um, not as, as you added in the comments, Robbie, not his first trade. Uh, he's been involved in several, bounced around. Um, going back the other way, Rodriguez, he's just 17, 250, 368, 751, uh, with two bombs, 18 ribbies, and 12 stolen bases. So a long ways away, still a prospect that it has some developing to do. But again, for Tommy Pham, a bit of a lottery ticket, that makes sense. Um, but again, one of those one-for-one trades, again, that we talked about earlier. Yeah, uh, the Yankees really disappointed their fan base tonight. and. Uh, only acquired uh, relief pitcher Kenyon Middleton from the White Sox for Juan Carlia. Uh, Middleton's 29. He's not going to, He, you know, best case scenario here, he picks up safe hold situations. They've done this before. Clay Holmes was a guy, but Middleton I don't think is going to be that guy. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how it plays. But, oh, Middleton, Middleton's a nice reliever, though. Like, he, I mean, he he's definitely not going to hurt the Yankees. Like, that's a nice piece. I'm not excited by this one. That's what we want to see on trade deadline day. Opportunities open up like what what excuse me eventually happened, and I was fortunate enough to call it out on Clay Holmes and have him in several dynasty leagues. Um, but anyway, uh, Carly is another guy in the Yankees organization lost. He's been there since 2019. He's only 21. He's at high A. Uh, there's no such thing as pro- prospect fatigue on a guy who's no one, who no one has looked at. Um, but this is the curious case of a trade like this to the White Sox. Uh, he's two and four record at what was it? A ball. Yeah. High a, sorry. Um, but the K to nine, 11.8. So there's something there and the ERA sub four, three, six, three, six, seven. So now we're going to watch him, but prior to the trade, he was just hanging out in the organization. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see what goes on moving forward with this one, but I don't have super high hopes. The other fun Miami trade tie was the Marlins getting some burgers from the white Sox for left-handed pitcher Jake Eder, who was part of the 2020 draft class. Um, Berger has control up to 2028, which is why this is a very interesting deal. He's a power bat. He's 27 years old, 25 dingers this year. Um, And that's your power guy there. Um, Now, average 214, and the OBP sucks, 279. So this is contrary to the uh, Marlin way, which I guess you can do that. If you have a Jorge Soler that you're going to play off of them, maybe there's like a super platoon and or late game pinch hitter situation coming up here. Um, but I like this for Berger who was basically dynasty fodder a year and a half ago. 
No one well, really cared much about him, but no one would get rid of him or cut him off the roster because there was a shot, right? There was a shot. Now he's going to be a Marlin. I think it's a really interesting move when you look at, um, you know, the rest of what that team has. Like you've got Garrett Cooper, um, you have the shell of Yuli Guriel. You have no Cooper's gone. Cooper was traded today. What? Yeah, we'll get to it. I I, I yeah, there were a lot of deals today, man. Oh my god, there were a lot of deals. Okay, I definitely miss that one. I, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the the move for Berger. Um, I was just gonna really quickly pull his splits and see what his lefty righty splits were. I, I mean, this this for me doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. give you a huge value defensively, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But he is okay uh, against the the lefties. His OPS against lefties nine thirty nine, Robbie. So seven fifty seven yeah. against righties, which is serviceable, not great. Um, but the the nine thirty nine against the lefties is definitely interesting. Um, so I don't I don't hate that one. Um, you you toss in Josh Bell against the righties. That's that's not a bad little pickup there. Yeah, and then Edder going the other way in the trade to the White Sox is an ideal return. Tommy John's season is um, currently in the mid. Sorry, the return from Tommy John that season is currently happening right now. Uh, the K per nine is the shining example here. Is four twelve ERA. Who cares? But eleven Ks per nine. Um, over the nine starts he's been back so far. So if he gets another nine, ten starts, rest of season, he'll be ready to go kind of normal. Um, but Edder was not previously seen as an exciting prospect. He was just kind of by default moving up the list um, within Miami because Yuri Perez is now off that prospect list. He's eclipsed 50 innings uh, this year. I think he's at 51 and a third. And again, like he's the real guy, <clears throat> excuse me, that Miami should have been acquiring today by putting him back on the roster, but they're very concerned about his inning count for this year, which is going to put them in a bad spot with him next year, which, I mean, I don't want to get into this, but we've seen it with Aaron Sanchez here in Toronto. It is a risky thing to do. If the guy's healthy, maybe don't screw with him too much. Let him pitch. Obviously we understand arm fatigue, but that's where you shut him down and have a light throwing program in the off season. We're not medical scientists, doctor people, but we do understand when things happen over and over again, that there are patterns when you screw with pitchers, especially in season, it can result in some really crappy injuries. Um, Brewers acquired a crappy pitcher, but whatever. Left-handed Andrew Chafin uh, leaves the Diamondbacks because they've picked up other guys and they traded away right-handed pitcher Peter Stressleke. Boom. Stressleke, 28-year-old righty. Yeah, yep. this one's weird for me, Robbie, just because like Chafin's obviously a free agent after this year. And yep. in this, you know, alphabet soup guy um, is in a free agent until <laughs> 2029. So like you've got an arm side switch here because they're very similar numbers, right versus left, except one guy has one year and one guy has a bundle. So obviously the Brewers, like what I will say before we get into it, the Brewers obviously know what they're doing with pitching, right? That's one thing they're good at. Um, so uh, they obviously know something here in terms well, of Well, Chapin does have up. an option tie for next year, but it's it's pretty mm. steep for him. 7.25. It's in the notes. Yeah, that's, yep, well, I didn't read the notes. I don't read your well, notes. Well, I put it in the the <laughs> notes. When my boss came in today and was talking to me about work and stuff, and then he's like, "Hey, we got tickets to go to a Blue Jay versus Guardians game at the end of August." And I'm like, "I'm in." So, I'm going to this game on I think August 28th. Anyway, I told him how important today was to me in my life because it's the trade deadline day. And he was a little taken back. And then I told him about dingers and everything else. And I verbal diarrhea him about baseball for a good five minutes before (laughs) I realized he didn't mean to start the conversation we're now in. So I recoiled back 
And I told them about you know the deadline deals and how I couldn't wait until I went home to really look into it. Meanwhile, I'd spent the bulk of my day sorting out each and every deal and making <laughs> notes. Okay. <laughs> so, so just in case he's listening, like, yeah, sorry, don't worry. he still, he still made the food. We're good. We're Absolutely. Good. The functions went off perfectly. We did an indigenous uh, drop and go meal with what we, we have as our uh, indigenous taco. Delicious. Uh, we also did fish platters, including using sturgeon, not sturgeon caviar, it was sturgeon sides, $90 a kilogram. Jeez. Meow, that is expensive. Anyway, Ty, um, so did you do a little bit of work here on the rest of this? Yeah. Just before we move off of this, this trade with the relievers, mm -hmm. I don't know that there's ever been a person ever that is better suited to be a professional athlete in the state of Wisconsin than Andrew Chavin. Let's yeah, just say that out sad. loud. Yeah. Oh like, I mean, the sash of the body. He's never going to have to buy a beer ever. Like, <laughs> and he absolutely 100% rides a motorcycle with no helmet. <laughs> he might not even wear pants. Like, <laughs> like we just, or he know. just wears his, he just wears his baseball pants. Yeah. Like he wears he just his wears a, pants. wears a police hat and that's it. Like he just, yeah. he <laughs> just rocks it. Um, yeah. I mean, this is an interesting one. There is the two years, like you said, you were correct. Um, for, for the seven that, that the other guy gets. So it's an interesting trade. We'll, we'll see how this one plays out. I do like what Arizona's front office has been doing in the trade market over the last couple of years. Like Hazen has done a great job out there. Um, and, and I think this is another example of, of one that I'm intrigued by because it's starting to be like very much like we've talked about Tampa Bay when they trade for somebody, I'm, I'm paying more attention yeah. now because he's done a good job out there. So um, uh, that's why my radar is up a little bit. Because if, if Milwaukee's giving up on a guy that says like one thing, but then I'm also starting to trust Arizona. So it's like I'm torn as that. So it's just one that I got my popcorn out for more or less. Yeah. We already touched on Austin Hayes going um, to, sorry, Austin Hedges going from the Pirates to the Rangers uh, international pool money. That's one of the fun things. I, one of the few things they're allowed to trade for. I also learned that teams can trade competitive balance picks. So if yes. you have a free agent that signs, that was yours, that that didn't take the qualifying offer, signs elsewhere, you can trade that pick. Depoto and I, again, talking about this, um, all I'm just funny things that he he taught me. I'm just really frustrated that Austin Hedges got two mentions in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't deserve it. He's But again, if anything, this is just because Sam Huff is getting screwed for all of the people like yourself, Ty, who have him in Dynasty Leagues. Like yeah. Sam Huff is going to have to find a new way. He is... Um, oh man, who are the, the catchers who just didn't amount to anything that were supposed to be big back guys, Zach Collins, whatever you name them. Sam Huff is sadly falling into that category and it seems like Texas is fine with it. But again, Bubba Thompson's been buried with, with Texas. All these crappy things have happened with Texas for fantasy guys because of players like Austin Hedges and the need for the MLB team to punt the catcher position or punt this outfield, whatever, um, just because they want this. Now the Padres side did say they acquired Garrett Cooper earlier. That was for right-handed pitcher, Sean Reynolds from the Marlins and left-handed pitcher, Ryan Weathers. Uh, Weathers, we know because we thought there was something there with him and maybe with Miami, there will be. Um, but Reynolds is a number 21 ranked prospect through the fun folks at MLB pipeline, uh, 277 ERA, 54 strikeouts in 48 and two thirds innings in both double A AA and triple A. That's interesting, um, but Miami doesn't have a great record. 
with these guys. So I don't but know I what to say about this deal. Like, it's just kind of interesting that Cooper left. I think that's my takeaway. I, I, I like Weathers as a really solid bullpen arm for them, though. Like, I, I think a good middle reliever. Mm-hmm. He throws hard enough that he can be valuable out of the pen. But going the other way, what? Like, I putting this all together because I didn't understand the G-Man Choi trade. Right. But now I do. Like, paired with they like, just a built a platoon. Oh, the Garrett Cooper G-Man Choi is like duplicating Juan Soto. Like, like that's not even, a, I, mean, I say that like facetiously, but I, like right. at the same time, like that's the plan. Like it's legitimate. Like Garrett Cooper, what? like off the top of your head, what do you think his left-handed numbers are? Just versus uh, the lefties. I'll, I'll just pretend that they're high and I'll say he's batting 285. He's batting 349. Okay. And wow, he sucks against eight. righties. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, uh, not that bad. 230, 682, but for sure splits. And, you know, the slugging 485 and 871 OPS, right? So not huge, huge power numbers. But again, when you put him and you put G-Man Choi in there, like what, what's not to love about this trade, right? Like like I'm going to pull the, the left-handed numbers here or the right-handed numbers for Choi because we all know they're good. That's not new. Um, but again, they're down for Choi versus his regular. So I'm going to just tell you his... 2023, and then we'll reference 2022 because he's coming off an injury. So 224 and a 789 OPS versus the Rays, which is still pretty good. But if you go back a year, actually, I'm going to do career because that'll give us a better split. Um, sure. Just career, to I'll very quickly just say on Weathers, Ty, um, yep. Weathers this year, although like the prospect pedigree is a little higher, you know, former first round pick in 18, um, he has sucked this year. 625 <laughs> ERA, 161 whip, and 29 strikeouts in 44 and two thirds innings which would be the big question mark with him. But again, this could be something that Miami's like, we can sort this out. You take a four-pitch guy, you make him a two-pitch guy. We've seen it before, right? Like brief periods of success with some of these guys. Um, maybe that's the play with him. But anyway, please and, uh, super utility platoon us with the Padres here. Yeah, and Choi's career numbers, and this is, again, this is career, including some of his early years where he wasn't nearly as good. Um, 810 OPS, right, versus the righties. So again, combined... Like you're an 840, 850 OPS as a combined player, which again, like I said, is in you know you're in the ballpark of those elite guys. Like again, you mm-hmm. added you added a star. Uh, you just be a first base all star, but it's two players. Yeah, until okay. they start to um, go lefty righty, and then you have to start out. Oh. But either way, it doesn't matter. I, I yeah. like what you just did there with it. It's a good baseball move for fantasy owners, like you know, like us, like the guys who care. Uh, it sucks yeah. rest of season, but I think this probably affects like the Cronenworth. Type yeah, player that's where I was going to go the most. Um, but it also again, gives you taking a step but it back. Also, but it also gives you another platoon potentially with Cronenworth and maybe um, your boy Hao Sung Lee or Hao Sung whatever is it Kim. Sorry, Hao Sung Kim, who Hao Sung Kim, and this is shocking, shocking to me. Second best shortstop the last 30 days. Uh, yesterday, playing second base, second best short, yes, yes, sure, but shortstop eligible across the board this year, Ty. Second best. Um, and I was checking because I recently acquired Tim Anderson in our big money auction league, and I gave up Kyle Hurt, who is a K machine, but he's doing it at um, double A and he's 24, so I'm not, you know. He and Sheehan with the Dodgers were both at the same level this year. I thought Hurt was going to be the one that got pushed. I was really excited. It was uh, Sheehan, and because it was him, I was I was a little hurt about Hurt, and I was willing to deal him, and I got Tim Anderson and a Colorado relief pitcher for rest of season. 
But um, I wanted to know what Anderson was doing the last month. And he finally hit his first home run the day I accepted the trade. And um, he's been the 20th best shortstop. But but Kim, again, on point, second yeah. best. And, and so, probably the most important trade of the deadline is up next here, Robbie. The Braves acquired Brad Hand from the Rockies for Alec Barger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barger, Braves 17th round pick in 2019, is a relief pitcher in waiting. 30 appearances this year at double A, a 329 ERA. That's pretty crappy when that's my note on the guy. Um, but Brad Hand just not dead. But we have seen Brad Hand traded at the deadline before and being so bad he was DFA'd. We saw that happen here in Toronto. So hopefully that this goes well. Um, it wasn't Anthopolis that acquired him before, but he just did now. So we'll see. That's the second trade between the Braves and the Rockies this year, which is an interesting thing to think about come the offseason. Um, just for the sake of, you know, you talk right now about, you know, the lay the groundwork for bigger deals in the offseason. Sometimes, you know, teams find trade partners for a few things here. Um, this was an interesting one. For me, the Mets actually acquired players. They acquired Adam Kolarik, who had brief periods of success as a relief pitcher uh, the past few years, but then went to Oakland and sucked, ended up back with the Dodgers. So the Mets got him, as well as Phil Bickford, former first-round pick on a previous one podcast years ago, Ty. We talked about Bickford and how he was um, not – was he drafted by the Jays and not signed and blah, 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 a whole thing. There was a thing we went through. Um, but anyway, he's traded now to the Mets because they need a, a few arms, I'm guessing. Uh, and this is just for cash. So mm -hmm. the Mets, you know, got whatever, maybe 250,000. Maybe they got Coke for the next two years. What we uh, just need to figure out what we can trade the Mets and we're gonna get ourselves some cash. Like, <laughs> what can we maybe it, maybe it will be how to build a roster? Maybe that's what we can give them. <laughs> We'll give them a word doc that I'll build and we'll yeah. get cash in exchange. Uh, the Dodgers also dealt for, sorry, acquired Ryan Yarbrough from the Royals. We knew this was another one, right? They signed him. I think one year, 4 million was the Yarbrough deal. Maybe it was less than that. They got back for their um, trouble. First base prospect, Devin Mann and shortstop Derling Figueroa. Um, Mann hitting 307, 89 games at AAA, which is fun, sneaky. Uh, Figueroa, 19 years old, hitting 237 in complex league, uh, with a couple home runs, which is more important than the 237 because he's making didn't, contact. Didn't Figueroa come over in the Mitch White trade? I don't, I don't know offhand. I feel, I feel like he did. Yeah, Devin Mann, who I think was one percent owned in fan tracks, I feel like he's going to be somebody because he's a triple A and he's hitting over 300, he's going to start to get drafted. Unfortunately for me, this trade is going to um, make him more relevant. However, the fact that he's leaving L.A. where they could use a potential future first baseman and going to the Royals where they certainly don't need one because they have two um, hurts him overall. I'm not sure his age on that one. I didn't get that written down when I was at work today making my notes for fantasy baseball. Um, if you are doing a little bit of work on that trade tie, I'm going to very quickly mention one that's not important, and that's yep. that uh, the Red Sox got Luis Urias, who was having a terrible season with the Brewers, in exchange for uh, Bradley Blaylock. Uh, Boston got a guy who's <laughs> just been bad uh, since coming back from injury, 145, 299, 236 line, and then he went down over a month ago to AAA. Uh, 
Uh, Blaylock with the Red Sox drafted 32nd round in 2019. I can't believe we're talking about this, but here's the reason why. 11 starts in A ball, 219 ERA, and a 1.01 whip. So that might be the one thing that's interesting from this. Urias clearly has years of control ahead of him and options since he was sent down. So the, the Red Sox are willing to take a chance. And still, Ty, we're still waiting on the Alberto Mondesi debut with the Red Sox, and he has not even been on a rehab assignment. So um, that's why a trade like that makes sense for the Red Sox because they are throwing huh. everything they can at the wall for middle infield help. I mean, this is a sneaky trade. Like, again, they gave up very little to get a, a what could be, not guaranteed, yeah. an impact bat in their lineup. Like, this is a guy well, that... Playlock has, probably has been paid $10,000 since he's been drafted by the Red Sox in 2019, including the signing bonus. Like, this, correct. they had nothing invested in this guy. Well, and, and the Brewers have, like, 40 infielders, so they don't need Luis Urias, right? Like, so... Mm -hmm. This is like they also don't need good pitching because they have lots of that too. But you know, there there's definitely a good baseball trade here, and this is one of Bloom's better better moves uh, that that I think he's made. Um, this this is a trade that like no one looks at as like in a huge impact, but this is the kind of trade that is going to keep Boston in the race, right? Like like yeah. Urias is going to have an impact on this roster, good or bad, um, but it very much could be a very good one um to solidify that so i, I like that trade um this, well, and this is the kind of deal that milwaukee makes ty they make these yeah. deals because they don't want to spend the money on urias moving forward whereas the Correct. red sox make this deal because they don't care about the money moving forward they're going to be under the luxury tax they're going to have the room to do it that's why we see this deal what what this does signal for me though robbie is i think they're all in on bringing adamas back in i think that's an interesting i think that's something that might be the underlying tone here just based on their infield depth and you know i think big shortstop is, yep. uh, is a need so i think that might be a resign um this one's a weird one for me robbie rondelfo castro had a phenomenal start to the year uh for a guy that came from relative anonymity um going to to philly for bailey falter who we saw have a, a fairly significant impact in that philly run last year down the stretch mm -hmm. um this is an interesting trade because i think it's a value for value I'm surprised Philly gave up on pitching depth given where they're at. Um, and, and I don't understand why they believe they need extra infield depth. Um, but, you know, to each their own, obviously, these guys get paid a lot of money to do their thing. And, and both players, I think, are going to help their team. And I, and I don't believe there's a real significant lefty in the Pirates stable right now. So adding Falter definitely helps them at least offer something in that regard moving forward. So, uh, you look at what these guys have done, you know, obviously career-wise, uh, Castro hasn't done a lot, but there's been flashes of absolute brilliance. Um, but his career so far, 226, 299, 396 across the slashes. Um, and, you know, obviously going to be depth piece behind what's a very good middle infield in Trey Turner and yeah. Bryson Stott. Um, and, and, you know, he's going to be a free agent after the season, which, which the question is how, uh, as a 24-year-old. Um, I, be, I believe that might be arbitration eligible. I'll look that one up really quick. Uh, anything sure. you want to add on this one? Just the fact that I think Falter was looked at, you know, as a piece moving forward, but it was so bad to start this year um, that between him and Matt Stram, they were fighting for the SP5 role and Falter lost it. Uh, but he was 0-7, 513 ERA. Uh, what did he get? Seven starts, but he had a relief one, or I forget what it was that he did. And then he was sent down. So, 
he's out of the organization after this year too. And that's one of the reasons why you make this deal. Both guys won't be with their teams. And obviously for Philly, he's a better one. They also DFA'd um, Harrison. Uh, the Phillies DFA'd Josh Harrison. I saw that. So that, that creates the the void with Castro. But uh, I, I, at so, the end of the day, it's like Philly's got a lot of potential pitchers in-house in addition to the fact that they always add arms as the year goes on. And again, like at the deadline. So I guess they were just done with him. Phillies have made some interesting moves with borderline type guys where I they must be superstar shopping or shooting for. And then at this time of the year, maybe they just decide, you know what, we're going to, you know, see what we've got in house and, and just get a couple of bench pieces. Yeah. And so just to add to it, like, it, it doesn't really change the value, but like Falter's not a free agent until 28 and Castro's not a free agent until 29. So oh, they both oops. have some longevity in the orgs, but you saw are they, sorry, are they out of options? Are they out of options after this year? Maybe that's my mistake. Maybe options. I, like I could see them being used for that, but I think either way, both of these guys like are arbitration eligible starting in the next year or two. So, um, you know, I think it's just one of those ones where you just had a position flop um in in pittsburgh willing to give up on a guy that really doesn't have a place long term in that organization and and philly probably feels the same way about falter so um you know value for value in their minds which is what you like to see angels acquire what always tends to be a very unsung hero in dominic leone um for for your boy former your boy i should say oh um jeremiah jackson Um, i think he's back to being my boy now ty i think i think jeremiah jackson leaving the Angels because Zach Neto took over and now he's going to the Mets where no one is blocking him. I, let's ignore Lindor. No one is blocking him with the Mets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say about this. Like the relief pitcher thing, of course, like you said, Leon's solid pickup. Um, Jeremiah Jackson is expendable because you have Zach Neto for the next six years. That's, that's why you make the deal, right? Plus you've got Kyrie Paris or Kyron Paris also shortstop. Um, the Angels have proven this year that I, I'm sure I've mentioned it. They're promoting from Double A. They're one of the few teams that do that. You get to Double A, your next step will be the MLB club. So if you're at Double A and doing well, it's a good thing. And if you're Trey Cabbage, uh, you rake at Double A, get hurt, then get promoted to Triple A, then wait for your turn. And then just as you're trying to carve out, you know, um, MLB career, uh, you know, Randall Grichik and CJ Cron come to town and you're back down to triple A for the rest of the year. But there are worst case scenarios like Jeremiah Jackson getting shipped and now stuck behind um, Lindor. I, yep. it, it sucks. You know, Jackson's I, trade value is going down by the day. I really believe they're setting themselves up to trade Lindor. Like, I, I think that's part of this because when you look at Ronnie Mauricio, who's, who's a guy that nobody's talking about being stuck in the minor leagues which makes no sense because he's absolutely raking. Um, no one is talking about him. And so, like, you have you have the ability to reset that roster. I, I really just think they're going to do it. I think they're going to finish off this rebuild um, with two big trades in Lindor and Alonzo and be, and be reset with the pocketbooks, right? Like, if you were to flip Otani into that team, right, and you were to deal Alonzo and Lindor and reset the whole organization, like, w- like, very similar to what Machado did in San Diego, right? You now have just an absolute monster to build from. The difference is that you're not building around Machado with a bunch of high A prospects. You're building around Otani with everyone at double A and triple A and or the pros. So, you know, it, it's a really interesting story to follow in this offseason. 
because I think it, if they do it, I think it would be awesome. Um, and I don't say that a lot about full teardowns, but um, Leon is, is a guy that could absolutely help the angels and has had some really interesting successes. Met his cousin one random time on a patio in new Orleans. Um, <laughs> oh. Strange experience. That was <laughs> guys like you're from Toronto. I'm like, yeah, he's like, my cousin played for Toronto. It was like very weird, like interaction, but yeah. Um, but I think he could be, be helpful and has been helpful for, for the giants and the Jays before that. And the Cardinals briefly. And the only thing I want to say on uh, Jackson is that uh, he was drafted in 2018. It was a second round pick, which is why I ended up scooping him up in a lot of spots because I thought he was a good pick at the time. He has been slow rolled 2020 COVID season hurt him, not helped him. Uh, but this year at double A, which is age appropriate for him, but experience it's not. He should be up at triple A. Anyway, 768 OPS, 15 home runs, 21 stolen bases in just 82 games. That's great baseball. Let's see what he does when he moves to the Mets and what they do with him if they leave him at double-A or if they promote him to triple-A. I'm not sure what their system's looking like right now, but I feel like there's a few guys getting promoted over the next couple days that may or may not deserve it. And I, I mean up to MLB from triple-A. So we might see Jackson move up as well because I believe he played double-A last year and had an injury for a lot of the year. So he's a sleeper prospect that I think long-term could be worth a look. And, and to your point, Ty, if they move Lindor, all of a sudden the playing time possibility between him and the rest of the crew that's currently in-house could really amp up to you could start to think about maybe 300 at-bats in the 2024 season um, if Jackson is moved up this year to AAA. I mean, you know, I'm dreaming, but you got to dream. It's fantasy baseball. Just yeah. like I am on Spencer Howard, Ty, who's now a Yankee. That's right, everybody. The former first round pick, uh, or sorry, second round pick by the Phillies in 2017. Howard with just a three and 11 record and a 720 ERA and 38 career appearances, 29 of which were starts. Um, this season specifically has been the worst, and he's all of a sudden becoming a relief pitcher. So now the Yankees are going to acquire him and look out future closer. Cash considerations yeah. are all that it costs. So, like. The the yeah, def, future closer is going to be a hard no for me. Like, there's nothing I love to see more than an AL East team acquire a guy that just gets absolutely wrecked. And that's what, <laughs> like, this is one. If you go back, Robbie, if you play the tape back, like Spencer Howard in Double A, like I just didn't see what everybody else saw, and everyone thought I was an idiot for saying he was going to be garbage. And here we are. He's getting traded for cash considerations now. In the defense of everyone else, we also, and, and mainly me, said the same thing about Luis Patino, who also got traded for cash today. Um, and, and segue of the day right there. Um, I was going to say, hold on. I thought you'd want to really dive in on that one. <laughs> yeah, Not really. You so, just hurt yourself. Yeah, no, no. I want to stop talking about Spencer Howard. Uh, I dumped oh, okay, on him. Now I can sure. move on. So, okay. Thundering Oak, I, I love this trade for, for the White Sox. Um, I'm not done with Luis Patino. I think this is very much a post-hype guy. Uh, you know, obviously Tampa Bay had some successes with him. He's a locate the fastball guy. Um, the off-speed stuff was developing, is developing. He's had a rough year coming off injury. I don't have any issue waiting a little bit longer for Patino to figure it out. I like that he's going to get a little bit of a different look from a different organization. And it doesn't suck that he's pitching in the, the worst ballpark ever for a pitcher. Sure. But, you know, if there's a guy that I like there, it's a guy with fastball command. And, you know, we saw hints of, Lance Lynn early on in his time in the White Sox have success with a similar, you know, pitching style. 
I think Patino can do the same. I'm glad he's out of Tampa because it clearly wasn't working, right? Right, and he wasn't going to get the opportunity even when they were desperate. He's they're like throw a change up, and he's like no, right? And and okay, we're going to trade you for nothing, and maybe get some. <laughs> well, they soda took him out the of the starting too this year, Ty. They took Patino away from uh, being a starter. I think so they were they, trying to ease him back in after injury. I think they were just trying to monitor his innings more than anything okay. else. Um, maybe that's I, the game I, they were playing. Yeah. So for all the all the people out there that want to dump on Rick Hahn and the White Sox front office, who've done a reasonably terrible job overall, um, this could end Absolutely. up being a really nice acquisition here for them in the run. Yeah. This one this one could be fun just because um, they have had success with Giolito coming up. Like I mean, I've said it so many times. Yeah. Horrible season, but they worked with them and made it happen, and then you know weren't able to have any success overall, but they made him a good player and he's going to make a lot of money thanks to the work that they did. Um, the Rays acquired one-time Atlanta catching prospect Alex Jackson from the Brewers for right-handed pitcher Evan McKendry. McKendry's 25-8-3, 4 ERA, uh, 92 and two-thirds innings at AAA for the Reds. I think this is just a sleeper guy who might get a few starts next year for mm-hmm. Milwaukee possibly this year, but I think more likely next year. Um, And the reason that they traded uh, Jackson is that they've got uh, Milwaukee traded Jackson's that they've got a legit uh, star in uh, William Contreras. And it's okay to trade when you've got that depth to draw from now, of course, Contreras will uh, bust his hand tonight on a foul tip and they will then need him and the trade deadline has passed. So that is of course, baseball. Um, Mariners did acquire a player today, although they also traded away some Edward Bazardo from the Orioles, who was previously DFA'd. Um, so this one is interesting, I guess. Um, Ryan Logan Reinhart's the pitcher that the uh, Mariners gave up, and he was at high A, 284 ERA, 10 saves, 38 innings. Not something you want, again, at high A when you're closer. Um, so this is kind of a shot where I guess Bizarro, who has made his MLB debut, might have the option to do something. He probably has a good pitch or two because, you know, DePoto was a relief pitcher. I'm sure he looked at the tape. I'm sure guys in the organization looked at the tape. So that one's kind of, you know, not for nothing. Just, you know, certainly not necessarily dynasty relevant at this point. But DePoto does make moves where he's thinking long term with a lot of players. So he might be thinking there's something there with him that they could unlock. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Rockies acquire Justin Brull uh, from the Dodgers for cash. Um, nice that they're receiving a player that they can maybe use for cash this time. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> the only experience I really have watching Brull and tapes was the last week against when the Jays were there. I got to see him just implode and, and he was brutal. Uh, oh, that's a stretch. Um, but you know, he's been okay like 407 ERA, 20 games this season. You know, they they you know, in the broadcast, they were talking about him in a pretty high light when he came in, and and then he kind of dumped on it. Uh, but you know, this could be an interesting pickup for the Rockies, who you know, out of all the things we dump on them overall, just as an organization, one thing they've done a decent job at is relief pitching. Um, they've done an okay job at that right. over the last several years. So, you know, this is definitely a guy to watch. There's nobody else in that bullpen anymore. So you definitely have some opportunity for some good innings here. Could be a little sneaky guy that fits into that, you know, back of the bullpen, you know, slot for them moving forward. So just something to watch. Uh, Rays made a a classic Rays addition, adding Adrian Sampson 
from the SP seven slot in the Cubs organization. Um, just, this is just what they do, right? Him and Manuel Rodriguez, uh, come from the Cubs in exchange for Josh Robertson. Um, Samson has a three eleven uh, across 21 appearances and 19 starts for the Cubs this season. So, you know, that's pretty impressive, uh, you know, in, in really, really good over the last several starts. So this, this one's weird for me, Robbie, just in terms of what the Cubs did today. Like, I, I just don't understand why you get rid of a guy that's been quite good um, while you're also trying to make somewhat of a playoff push. Just a strange. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's an uh, it just in general, it's an odd trade. Yeah. And so they must really, really like Robertson, um, which again, you know, when you're adding Samson and Rodriguez to get a Robertson who has not made a professional appearance and, you know, doesn't have the best numbers this season across 36 relief innings. It's a bit of a strange move. Yeah. There's, there's gotta be something else going on here um, with that one. I did earlier mention uh, whatever I had the name wrong. Tucker Davidson is the guy from the angels who's now with the Royals, who's socked 18 relief appearances with the Angels before he was DFA'd a couple days ago. Um, <clears throat> anyway, the D-backs acquired third baseman Jace Peterson from the A's for right-handed pitcher Chad Patrick. Uh, that's all you need to know about that one. The Reds acquired left-handed pitcher Sam Mole from the A's for right-handed pitcher Joe Boyle. Um that's all you need to know for that one. Then we can get into one that's a little bit more fantasy fun. Cubs acquired right-handed pitcher Jose Cuas from the Royals for outfielder Nelson Velasquez. Velasquez, 24, debuted in 2022. Um, only 13 games with the, MLB games with the Cubs. He's supposed to hit 30 bombs, and everyone's very excited. Um, 241, two doubles, three dingers, and a 641 slugging percentage so far at the MLB level. Uh, much better at AAA, right? Eight eight hundred plus OPS guy, fifteen double, sixteen home runs. However, um, the Royals are not known for doing good things with power bats outside of one season of Jorge Soler. So I don't know what we want to expect with Velasquez, but this is certainly a good thing for him to move out of the Cubs because he wasn't getting a fair shake. And Ty, so- I just wanted to mention it again. Do you remember Matt Mervis? Yeah, before, yeah, before I just I like to mention that to people about prospect hype. Nelson Velasquez, same class, former teammates. Um, but so what's up with Velasquez? What do you think of this one? I like this trade, and I mean, you know, what I like Kansas City to acquire are power bats, like and not not guys that hit home runs, right? So there's there's what I mean by that is there's guys that hit 340 foot home runs. Nelson Velasquez, Jorge Solar. Vinny Pascantino, those are not those guys. Like when they hit home runs, they they go. And Velasquez certainly fits that cloth. He's a he's a near replica of Jorge Solar. So I thought you were going to say magical. No, 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 no. no, Okay, definitely not. This is a guy that I've liked for a long time, Robbie (laughs) and Velasquez. Like power numbers are elite, elite. Um, However, the contact rate is the problem. So if Kansas City can fix that or even improve it, like even just an improvement here. For a guy that's hit, you know, I believe about 260 without pulling it up in front of me across minor league system, right? Like, but with a ton of home runs, like there's a real major leaguer here power-wise. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can turn that corner with him or if he becomes like the next guy, AJ Pollock, and it's just a shell of a guy running around the outfield um, later in his career. Career minor league numbers for Nelson Velasquez. 
you said, well, sorry, what was your average prediction? 260-something? Oh, shoot. I only have MLB 210. But we've got a 235, 231, 288, 270 season. And the 288, 270 season, as well as the 241 season, were 400 at-bats, 306, and 425, which is the bulk of his minor leagues. So he should be, with health, with good health, he should be a better contact hitter, in addition to the fact that uh, he can hit dingers for days because he's got career minor league numbers 19, 25, 45, 50, 60, 76 dingers in the minors in one, two, three, four, five, and change two, 256 batting average. I feel like that's pretty close to 260. I'm pretty happy with that prediction. Yeah. 79 OPS. Yeah, like I, th- I think there's, like I said, they have to improve the contact rate. Like that's obviously the the feast or famine scenario here. But like, there's a potential guy like a Jose Batista here, power wise, right? So you know, you obviously are asking for a lot to to turn that corner. Um, Teoscar Hernandez would be the, a similar guy, like guys with immense power that just didn't have the the right contact rate. Is kind of the profile I'm looking at here. Um, and, and that's what you got here. So if there's, if there's an absolute sleeper to look at out of this day that, you know, has upside that's above the rest, like Velasquez certainly power wise is that guy. Um, we talked Pollock really briefly. He's heading away from your Mariners, which this trade, that signing was awful to begin with, um, heading to Seattle, um, start to finish. Yep. So somehow the Mariners are going to get a player to be named later, which they believe to be better than AJ Pollock and Mark uh, Matthias, uh, which is an interesting one. Pollock, we know who he is, uh, whether he plays or not. Matthias is, is you know, organizational depth here. So the guy yeah. coming back is going to be a nothing um, in all reality. <laughs> so nothing, nothing to see here. Cubs get uh, Heimer Candelario in a, you know, where were you in 2016 type trade scenario here. Uh, they send you know, a couple interesting prospects going the other way, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin made for me is a guy that I'm, I'm watching like a international signee a few years back for the Cubs was one of their high end guys that they were looking to, to turn up the system. He was 14th in the MLB pipeline, but he's only hitting 240. So all the stuff I've read on made Robbie. Um, and I've watched a little bit of film on it. I don't see what this article said, but the numbers certainly align with what the numbers say. Uh, just can't lift the ball. Like everything else is good, but not putting the ball in in the air enough. So what I really like about this trade for Made is you're getting him outside of an organization that clearly can't do anything for him. Getting him into an organization that has done a very good job with international signings, right? So I think that's one thing that I'm excited about. I know less about DJ Herz, um, but he's a 20-year-old. Nope, sorry. He's a 16th-ranked project. and it has been sub four in 59 innings at double A, right? So, yep. you know, uh, again, the Nationals doing a really, really good job of rebuilding the farm and prospects to support the trades that they made last year. Uh, just good work out of that front office, as always. They've got a great front office in Washington. Yeah, you're happy when you sign Candelario and he works out to trade you, or sorry, to become trade bait so that you can get the multi years of control out of a 20 year old like Maid. The yep. trick now is, like you said, turn made from a contact hitter into a MLB level contact hitter, hit the gaps, do those things you need to do so you can get that OPS up. But again, he's 20 years old and he's a former J2 pick. So 
Um, he's an interesting one, but again, victory for the Nationals to be able to make that move. And best news of all of this, Ty, Jake Alou should now be up with the Nationals, who's somebody I was talking about this offseason as a potential dynasty uh, darling. It didn't happen to start the year, which, you know, Candelario is the one that blocked it. I said it when it happened. Like, it's unfortunate, but let's not let that ruin a good thing. Carter Keboom is clearly out of the good books of the organization. I mean, that was a long time ago, but um, Alou might benefit from this. Stone Garrett, who's having a decent season. Uh, he was another guy we talked about this offseason. He can benefit from the trade deadline and freeing up roster spots. And Alex Call with Washington could continue to try to carve out a bit of an MLB career He's going to obviously need to improve his overall line, batting a little bit over 200. A few steals, a few dingers. You know, he's going to need over the stretch to be a little bit better. But some good things that could happen from the Nationals in making a move where they sign a guy like Candelario, they make a move to get a couple prospects. It does free up more at-bats the rest of the season for some of the other, these other guys who are up and now Alou getting to be up. And we could see good things there. Um, Brewers acquired Mark uh, Canna because they just cannot stop themselves. Thank you. Okay, right-handed pitcher Justin Jarvis going back the other way. Um, Jarvis was like their 30th-ranked prospect, which means we don't really care. He was in double-A this year. <laughs> this is so sad. A 10-80 ERA and 11 and two-thirds after he got <laughs> promoted. Prior to that, though, Ty, 75 and two-thirds innings, 333 ERA. Tell me about a guy who can't handle veteran hitting more than a guy who goes from double-A of managing baseball games to triple a rough rocky start uh well, justin jarvis either is going to be adjusted with the mets or he's going to be just in the organization for a minute yeah i mean Double the reality pun. here too the strikeout numbers were good all the way through the minors so like for me you know i think you're you had a bump into double a um and, and i think that started this year as well where the numbers were quite good the whip's still a little high and i think that's it like to me i see a signal here for a little bit of control issue and I think there's just enough to be excited about what he could be still projects for me as a reliever. So I don't, I think that's why Milwaukee's happy to move off of, but next on the list, one of the weirdest trades for me. Uh, and I mentioned this to you before Robbie Paul Seawald going um, to the D backs, strengthening their side. Now to Mariners defense, like bullpen help is not what they need. Um, yeah. so this, this trade definitely, you know, was a, a decent one in their favor. Uh, Arizona gets a closer or or at least a back-end arm for a couple of years here, free agent in 2025. So one more year uh, here for um, or two more years. And he's going to be expensive yeah. next year. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, a classic move. Um, you know, it's obviously part of the Chafin trade, I think, is, is part of why they're moving some money around. Um, absolutely. I think all of that kind of comes together. Helps them. Giving up Canzone is an interesting move. Bliss is a lot to give up. Josh Rojas is a lot. So definitely a really good return for a reliever, you know, closer that throws like 91 miles an hour, which is really rare in today's game. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like I, I'm, I don't love this trade for the D-backs. We talked about trusting Arizona before earlier. This is the type of trade that makes me trust them less um, just because Canzone's a lot to give up. Um, for for Paul Seawald, in in my opinion, now other people might disagree. I'm just I'm just not a Paul Seawald guy. So interested to hear what your Homer take says on on this one. Sure. So for Bliss, he's like a less thought of prospect, but he's just hitting really well between Double A and Triple A, three thirty two this year. So cool. Um, second baseman projected for big leagues, but 
projected for big leagues. We'll take it. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the best part and the part that you should love the most about this trade. You trade away your closer in Paul Sewald, who I think had 22 saves at the time of the trade. Now, Andres Munoz, who has been waiting patiently, is your closer. And how old is Munoz? He's he's 24. Um, then you've got Matt Brash, who's 25, who will be your next up guy. You've got a veteran in uh, Justin Topa, who's there. And then you've got Sociedo, Spire. You got guys. You got arms in Seattle. But what you just added was a couple of players that you actually needed. And Rojas is just going to become a utility guy on the bench. And I wonder if they thought that they were going to have something interesting going on today where, you know, Tay Oscar was going to be dealt. There was rumors there were, sorry, there were rumors that he was going to be moving to um, Minnesota. Ty France was possibly on the move. I can't imagine they would have been able to make that happen because the Mariners would have needed legit things back for, for a guy like France. Obviously, Tay Oscar would have been more of a money dump because it just hasn't been a good good year for him. He's hitting in the last third of their lineup instead of the first third where I'm sure he thought he would be. But Cade Marlowe's up because they got injuries. Um, and other arms and outfielders and prospects and players are all moving around with Seattle right now. But the one good thing, like you said, is that that bullpen is a rock. And that was the problem with DePoto for a few years when he was with the angels and then moved to Seattle was he wasn't building a bullpen. And I couldn't understand it. Cause like the guy was a closer with, you know, of all teams, the Rockies, but he was a closer in MLB for a while. And uh, you'd think he would understand that mind frame, but I like this deal. I think this is going to be a good deal long-term for the Mariners and obviously Seattle or sorry. Um, uh, obviously the Diamondbacks are getting the bonus of a guy who can come in in the ninth and close the game. They've tried to do that over the past couple of years, bringing guys in. Oh uh, man. Who was the veteran they, they brought in last uh, year. Who had the, thank you. Mark Melanson, who just couldn't do it for him. Um, so Seawald should be able to get it done. And Seawald was found money. He was a Met that was like either DFA or just a free agent that went to AAA with the Mariners a couple years ago, came up and he was found money with them. They got qual two quality seasons out of them. And then this year up to the point they traded them. Great return to Poto. Boom. You nailed it. Um, but anyway, Ty, move on to one that's a little more fun, exciting for baseball purposes. Aaron Savale, who's got years of control left, uh, leaving the Guardians, who I know you're not a Savale fan, but what do you think about the fact they got the Guardians this has got Kyle Manzardo back. Manzardo is, was one of those prospect darlings that just hasn't been great. Um, but what are your thoughts? Highway robbery. I think yeah. the Guardians absolutely robbed the Rays on this one. They made um, some interesting trades at the deadline, right? Get Khalil Watson, get Kyle Manzardo, you know. Yeah. Cleveland. Like I, I really like what Cleveland did here. I, I'm I'm scared to say it because Savale. Anybody going to the Rays, especially weird arms like Savale, always scares me because the Rays are just really good at it. Um, but giving up Manzardo for me is too much. Like I, you have a really, really good, safe bat, and and a guy that they say can't hit for power, but everything about him, size, swing, says there's more power in that bat. I just don't believe that it's not going to come around. And one of the more advanced hit tools in the entire minor leagues. So I, I just I don't believe that this is a trade that um, we're gonna get backwards on um, mm -hmm. from from a Manzardo acquisition perspective, um, and I very much believe that giving up Savali is in the best interest of the Guardians. On top of that, so absolutely um, it is. Yeah, two years of control, and he's been really good, but exceeding expectations. Like you said, he's not 
as good a pitcher as he's been pitching. And Manzardo is the opposite. He's a prospect who was like, you know, player of the year for the Rays last year, like minor league player of the year for them last year, uh, 1,000 plus OPS, 22 dingers, and then went from high AA to AAA this year, just turned 23 and is being outmatched. But he's also, if you want to argue it, uh, handling it from an OBP standpoint, that's your highlight here, 342 OBP. Uh, the average is below 240. The um, slug is under 450. But you're allowing that to adjust for what has been a 22-year-old who just turned 23 and is at the second highest level in professional baseball in AAA. So yeah. I like the deal for both sides because we don't know what the hell Tampa does, but they make it happen, right? So yeah. Savale going there helps anyone who has him. I traded him away in a league last year, and I remember a few people were like, that was that was an interesting trade you made. I'm like, well, Savale is, I think, pitching better than he's been, and I didn't want to deal with it anymore. I can't remember what my return was on the deal, but I was like kind of glad to get rid of him. And then the guy in this particular league was able to extend him, and he extended him at almost triple what his salary was. And I thought, interesting. And I, I guess I should have to, I should go back and have a look. But I really like what Cleveland did um, with some of these moves because they they didn't take a step back. Because, like I said earlier in the year, they had so much depth to draw from with their pitching that they would be able to do these kind of things in trading starters. Um, even with Bieber going down, which I'm sure is not at all what they would have liked, they probably would have preferred to make a trade with the Rays and given them Bieber and got, you know, Manzardo plus back. Uh, if they could have, you know, really swung it. But either way, Savali out the door is a good thing because they still have a legit five-man rotation with others in the weight. And and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with the Jays, right? Like I think obviously Shapiro and Atkins in Toronto come from the Cleveland front office, and I and I think both organizations have in Cleveland's probably the best at it uh, have done a really good job of staying competitive, right, while trading very good players away. And so I think that's the one thing that I I think. The only difference between Toronto and Cleveland at this point, or there's two differences. One, Cleveland has no money. Toronto has money. And then the other part of it, too, is that Cleveland had a farm system and Toronto's rebuilding theirs. So, like, I think this is a model we will see from Toronto's front office eventually, right? But they've offset it with a lack of upper upper tier prospects by going and spending a bunch of money to, to get them there. So, I, I like Well, Toronto strategy. bought the rotation, right? Correct. Sorry to interrupt. Toronto bought the rotation. Cleveland drafted it. And we're starting to see the fruits of the labor for Cleveland where they can trade from their drafted rotation and then add to their surplus of, you know, Correct. minor leaguers. And, you know, then they can pick from position players at the minor leagues, whereas Toronto's going to find themselves very soon needing to continue to do what they do, which is um, get a, a position player or two through free agency like they did George Springer, like uh, while well, they traded for Matt Chapman, but again, addressing the needs because the system's not there to do it for them and bring the guys up outside of yeah. a couple of positions, you know, catcher, um, Vlad and Bo. Exactly. And next up on the list, we, we talked about uh, some of this stuff a little bit, but Giolito going to the angels uh, is a guy that you've always really liked and had a soft spot for. Um, yeah. And Lopez, I've had a soft spot for even when he struggled, he hasn't been great this year, but. Good the last he month. Pumped, he pumped 101 last night, which he had a save time. Yeah, he like, had a save. We've we've always talked about Lopez, and the thing I've always flagged on him is is the fastball. The fastball's there, fastball's located. He's as good as anybody. Um, mm -hmm. problem is it's not always located. So the but the big part of that trade was Kai Bush going to the White Sox. They also got Nestrini in that trade as well. But Kai Bush is a big piece. You had Patino, you had a couple of the other pieces they have in the lower minors as well. Mm -hmm. Um 
uh verga what's his name verga um uh nor verga but uh or vera but he hasn't pitched this year uh or maybe he's only pitched like less than 10 innings he's had an injury so he's more of a sleeper type uh he was a yep. cuban signing a couple years ago uh but yeah he's interesting i mean this will be a fun spring training i mean we're months away but this will be a fun spring training for the white Sox as to who's possibly going to be in that rotation if they don't go and sign a bunch of crappy veteran uh, pitchers, you know, we could have I'm, some fun conversations. I'm excited for upcoming drafts. Um, there's some good ones that I've got lined up as well. Um, the, the rest of the teardown for the White Sox, uh, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly going uh, to the Dodgers. They also picked up Kiki Hernandez and Trace Thompson went away uh, from from the Dodgers. Uh, but Thompson yeah, went to the to the White Sox. Where did he go? Tra- went Trace Sox. Thompson went to the White Sox. He was the headliner in the deal for if, if Trace Thompson can ever be considered a he- headliner. Well, he was really good last year, but he was like lightning for in a bottle. Minutes. Clearly. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. But he that's had, his thing. He comes it? up and he has Maybe like a tea weeks. sandwich. He had like no, a tea def- sandwich. Definitely not. He got a hoagie. Um, just a big that's old bigger. hoagie. Yeah. That's yeah that's, but, but that's the point is <laughs> he had a food coma right after and he fell asleep and just stopped hitting. <laughs> so it's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, okay. Cleveland had a Thor uh, for Ahmad Rosario in one of the weirder trades uh, we saw, but also one that makes sense on both sides of the fence. Um, and then just a straight reliever flop. Miami uh, sent Jorge Lopez or got Jorge Lopez in exchange for Dylan Floro, who Floro probably had some attitude problems just watching the rest of that bullpen just dump and him being really good and never getting yeah it's these little leverage rolls. Such a weird trade, right? Because like Lopez was very good with Baltimore up to his trade to Minnesota last year. And then it was like, you know, move over Yoan Duras. You're like, you know, don't worry about it, Jorge. And it's as if he's like, well, when I'm the man, I'm better. If I'm just one of the men, I'm not as good. And yeah, like you said, Floro's one of the best or the best non-AJ Puck reliever in that bullpen. And he's shipped out and he's got control left. And I think Lopez um, does not. I think he's out after this year. But either way, it's just kind of an interesting trade. And the Thor trade, just like I know we mentioned earlier, the Ahmed Rosario one, um, Rosario's depth with the Dodgers, and that's what they need. So he goes there, yeah. and he's making, I think, $7 million, and Thor's making 13 So maybe the Dodgers leveled that off financially. I don't know. It probably doesn't matter much. But again, it's project for Thor with Cleveland, and it's depth with the Dodgers with Rosario. Well, and they needed a shortstop, right? And Rosario is a terrible defensive shortstop, but the Dodgers don't care. They just need somebody that's not uh, Miguel Rojas. Like, or Mookie Betts. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's it. So, they would like so, to not have Mookie Betts at shortstop, which is yeah, a thing. They just score a ton of runs, and they have decent pitching. Like, They don't care if one run is saved a game by their shortstop. Like, That's not what makes the Dodgers good. So I, I like that trade for them. Um, they, they didn't deal any of their major prospects today. That that yeah. I think is the big news out of Dodgerland is they're still good. They got better and they traded nothing of significance. And so uh, the Dodgers just keep being the Dodgers because they can be. Um, but yeah, I mean a lot happened today. Uh, we talked about a couple of big things. I'm excited about all of my shares in Manzardo and Kilio Watson that I have, um, which got better today. And I'm apparently a Guardians fan now, so that's that's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're good. A lot happened. If you again, if you want to hit us up, hit us up at Dingers Pond on Twitter. Let us know what you thought. Uh, let us know who you're most excited about. And if you want to know who to draft in your upcoming draft seasons, you can always know where to find us. But until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler here on Dangerous.